everyone, and welcome to a new episode of The MinMax Show, the place about games, friends, and getting better. Your regular host, Ben Hansen, is on paternity leave for one more week. In the meantime, I'm Kyle Bossman, your substitute host. We are joined this week by Kelsey Lewin. Hi, that's me. Jenna Steber. Hello, it's me. Leo Vader. Hello, real quick, I just want to say that on the latest new show plus, we did change everything about MinMax. It's now called Human Max, and this is the Human Max show. And instead of Games Friends and Getting Better, it's Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. But I should have told you that beforehand. There will be a time of transition. It's fine. Great. The the Human Max show. Mm-hmm. Got it. Thank you. Well, and and so Kyle s- Hilliard. <laughs> I, I can't believe uh, Ben will be done raising his child this week. That's <laughs> you, I'm still working on it, and he knocked it out in two months. It's like mind-blowing. I mean, that's why it's Midnight's leader. He knows. He knows how to get in there and just stats that baby up real Min-max fast. Midnight's the child. <laughs> run. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, Leo, can I ask, if, is human max spelt with one N or two? Two still. So it's kind of recognizable in keeping the same Min Minnesota connection, but also expanding it for the whole human race. So it's not quite so exclusive. Okay. To Minnesota. Do you spell it? H U M I N N M A X. M I N. The question was the, the second oh. vowel there. That's what I was curious sure. about. Don't we, sweat the small stuff the is the catchphrase. Yeah. Okay. And we're capitalizing the M and Min still, but it's got sure. an H U in front of it. Human. Almost like the element hydrogen. <laughs> so if I can be honest with you right now, like frankly, just completely dryly honest, I think this is a bad change. <laughs> okay. Well, you should have spoke up so before we made the change. I mean, it's done. It's you're welcome late. to expand on that if you if you want. I th- I kind of think like Min Max was a good brand. I think you had something really nice going there, and I don't like I don't think it was actually that exclusive. I don't think you were excluding anyone from a show called Min Max. Hmm. I just think you should continue expanding it, and it should be Detroit become human mid max. Human max. Okay. Is that right. not going back to being kind of regionally based? Well, we're just adding cities and and places. So now we've got Detroit and Minnesota, and we'll we'll get there. We'll get all of them in there at some point. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Keep expanding, because I mean, honestly, like we have a decent amount of subscribers, but like if we don't have seven billion, there's still work to be done. That's kind of my philosophy. <laughs> I get that. Okay. Cool. Uh, on today's episode of the Human Max Show, uh, we're gonna look. We're still playing Baldur's Gate. I know it's. I, I like you clicked on this video, right? It's weird that they're doing two Baldur's Gate three episodes back to back, but it's just you know this is a show about what everybody's playing, and we're still playing that game. Uh, we'll we'll steer the conversation into new and interesting ways. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're leading with. Uh, we'll also talk about Legend of Zelda: Oracle of Seasons and Shotgun King, and maybe just maybe. A little bit of hunt the showdown but firstly let's uh let's dig back into baldur's gate 3. we have a few people here on the show who were not here last week and so unfortunately the first part of any conversation of baldur's gate 3 is discussing who your character is and what their deal is so uh kelsey can you tell us what your character is yeah, um, so mine's really kind of more a foil to my partner's character. We we kind of, right. we designed them kind of jointly. Um, so I feel like, you know, on, on their own, um, my character, Madam Doctor, is not that exciting. <laughs> um, but she's a, a, is it drow or drow? Drow, I think. Drow? I believe drow. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I have never played D&D, so this is an experience for this me. This is great, um, yeah. Yeah, or at least I've never played a real, like I did like a one, you know, like a two-hour campaign one-off thing once many years ago, but I've essentially never played D&D. Um, so my character is very like high charisma, um, a, a little evil, but mostly just very smart and, and, and high charisma and kind of a... Um, and her deal is basically just that she's bringing her idiot boyfriend along uh, on this adventure, which is my partner. Not that not that he's the idiot boyfriend necessarily, but you know his character he's, he's is role playing. He's, right? he's role playing as Dorbo, uh, the bongo playing bard, and Dorbo is not very smart. Um, he thinks he can talk to animals. Um, I don't believe him. And uh, and that's kind of the extent of our relationship. But he's but he's very attractive, and so I keep him around. And he just kind of plays the bongos, and he's like, "This is a song. This will help us." And I'm like, "Playing playing the bongos is not a song, but wow." That, anyways, that's I don't, I don't feel like I'm the super creative, and this this was a struggle for me. I was like, I want to be I want to come up with something cool and fun, and that'll make this thing funny. And I feel like since we're doing it together, it comes out that way, but I feel like designing one character that's fun and interesting is hard. It's so hard. That's actually what I love about Baldur's Gate 3 is that like, okay, so you said you're coming in as a newcomer. You don't really dig D&D too much, but but like you put effort into developing your character and like in a series. So like they put out some data this week, right? About like how many people <sighs> created their characters versus used one of their pre-designed ones, right? And it's the vast majority of people are making their own Baldur's Gate 3 characters. And like when you compare that to Mass Effect about like how many people just picked a default Shepard, you know mm. what I mean? It's crazy. Like the people mm. who are in, who are, have purchased Baldur's Gate 3 and are playing it are making their own people. And it's like cool to hear somebody like Kelsey, right? It was like, yeah, normally I don't, but for this game, what is it about this game? What made you really want to put an effort into the character you're building? Well, I felt like it was almost like a faux pas not to. Like it would be, <laughs> it would be doing some sort of um, disservice to its D and D roots to like not try. Um, and so, like, yeah, it was it was hard for me, but uh, I, it just felt like something I needed to reach inside myself and do. And even even if that took me, you know, an hour and a half in the character creator, and I was not like, I, I feel like I'm satisfied with our with our duo of people and i feel like it i don't know that i would have been satisfied with like the level of thought into my character if she was alone hmm. does that make sense like it it, it felt like a yeah. um i don't know it's it's, kind of, it's an extension of how D D works probably too right like i say that knowing not very much about it but just like it's much more fun in a social setting and like how does my character play off of your character rather than uh you know, I have alone created this incredible character who will it depends be on the great player. and interesting. <laughs> What's that? It depends on the player, Kelsey, is what I'll say. All right. <laughs> is, that, is that, yeah, I think a lot of people come to it for the social aspect, but um, if, you, if you've played enough games with, like, strangers or quasi-strangers, you will inevitably come against somebody who's like, my character's a cool lone wolf, and he hates all of you, and he's super good at everything. It's just like, all right, well, have fun playing D&D with yourself. That's, <laughs> that's how, like, um, so I, again, didn't really do much D&D, but I did do, like, uh, I'm going to really, I'm going to throw myself out here now. Um, I did, like, like, 
message board role playing when I was younger, yes! like, you know, nice. like yes! 11, 12 kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's very much how all the characters were designed when I was 11 and 12 and role playing on the boards of Neopets. So oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm a little sad that people are carrying that into their adult D&D campaigns, but you know. Yeah, it happens. You play, you play with all types. And I think the extent to which people want to play in a social sense varies. I think this has probably changed since RPG video games have gotten to be so good because now those people can just play the game where they are pre-programmed to be the chosen one. <laughs> FF16. Yeah, they, that's already there for them. Yeah. And that's nice. It's nice that they get that and that people who want the social aspect of D&D get the social aspect. Leo, who is your character? She is an elf druid. Which is a type of character I haven't played before, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. Shape-shifting, you get like four shapes from the jump. Ooh. I'm still learning how to use those. You can turn into a badger, and a giant badger, and burrow into the ground. And so I've been able to use that to like pop up from behind a wall. And wow. you pop up in the middle, and you have a chance to like knock people prone. But then, of course, you've used your main action for the turn. So I'm still figuring out how to like play off of that with the other characters, because you know the big advantage for to me is to like cover a lot of ground. But then you're away from your team. How big should I imagine a giant badger is? <laughs> like three guys huddled up. <laughs> <laughs> it's about that's what it looks like you. to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> What's her name? What's her name? That's important to me. Farron. Oh, I was no. like, I kind of want to go a goofy name, but I feel like I'm going to get tired of that in four hours. So why don't I try and figure out like a lore accurate name? Oh, so you went, you went straight up. You like looked at a book. No, I just combined different syllables until one sounded like a name. Yeah, it does. That's that absolutely sounds like a druid name to me. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's wild to me that druids, you get a thing that allows you to what I perceive as kind of break the landscape as like being able to dig and pop out at other areas. That feels to me like uh, such a wild capacity that the game hides under being one animal in one one class. That's wild. Yeah. My most D&D versed friend really loves this game for how much he feels like he can break it and i do love that they have those kind of fun things in there without like so much concern for what if this is the most powerful thing it's like let's just have a bunch of things that seem like the most powerful thing are you playing with people not yet okay. Okay. how and and so you're you are also not familiar with D as like a, a practice uh not mechanically like i've done role-playing stuff like that plenty but i didn't have much experience with 5e so i felt like i was learning the combat from the start that, but but well, truly, like, this game was intimidating to me for that reason, of feeling like, wow, mouse and keyboard, full D&D, &D, top down, uh, and it was having a hard time, I was having a hard time really, like, getting into it, getting immersed into it, and the switch flipping was trying it with controller, which people have vouched oh, for Larian Studios oh. controller support before, but I kind of slipped my mind, oh. but the controller support for this game is fantastic, and obviously because it's coming to console. There's a good That's reason. That's actually but how it's... I'm playing it too because um, nice. I'm doing a split screen co-op, which is, I gotta say, it's a little buggy, unfortunately. Uh, um, we're making it work, but there will be times where only one side of the screen is showing anything. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and it usually comes back after a good 10 seconds, but it's, it's a little buggy. But um, it's the only way, at least as far as I can tell, the only way to do that is with two controllers. One person can't be on the keyboard, even if you're both using 
a computer with the keyboard hooked up. Um, so, mm. but yeah, I found I found the controller uh, support to be pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, it, it changes the UI the second you press a button, and it almost seems like a cleaner UI. Like there's fewer things on it at once. The font's yeah, bigger. Like yeah, it's weird. Oh. Yeah, right. Uh, you said one thing. You said uh, you've done role-playing stuff like that, but without rules. And I got to know what you're talking about. Um, there's this game called Deck Quest I've talked about before that's like ultra simplified. Here's D&D for people who don't even want to learn a game and just get it immediately. I do love Deck Quest for that. And also, of course, I was reminded when Kelsey brought up message board role-playing about uh, in my childhood on the forums for the Pendragon series of books... The role-playing <laughs> threads there. There was one that was like the tavern. I'm sure every message board had something like this, where somebody started a thread called the tavern and said, "Pull up and order a drink," and then people would message, you know, reply to the thread, "One beer, please, barkeep," and then make conversations with each other, and then you know, asterisk swigs mead and stuff like that. Uh, I yeah, so there's I no rules. Young. There's no rules in uh in message board <laughs> role-playing. It was it's <laughs> very. And then you just kind of get these these moments where people just collectively so decide that whatever someone, you know, someone who is role-playing one of those uh, lone wolf ultimate badass kind of characters, like, that whatever they did, just no. Like, yeah. we're, we just reject that that happened completely because there <laughs> yes. are no rules. Yes. They're like, so, like, truly people can type whatever they want. They could be like, yeah, my, my guy comes in and kills everyone with a samurai sword. We're all just like, no, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> Moving on. They call that fail RP. <laughs> Is that, do they call that that yeah i was getting into a red dead role-playing server a few months ago and that was like in the big list of rules was like fail rp here's what defines it cool i love to learn this stuff uh kyle hilliard what is your character's deal oh uh, they don't exist pass <laughs> oh okay great okay are you do you think you'll end up playing or are you just like a hard hard pass when it comes to ps5 i will sort of i from a sense of obligation will give it a shot but <laughs> i just i just don't think it's going to be my thing and that's okay that's i've come to terms with that yeah. what's your wife's character i i i don't know uh, and what? i think she's done playing too it's it didn't click oh. for her either oh. so we're just not a Baldur's gate household and i apologize <laughs> to everyone for that well, I, I love it. uh it's funny it's a, something jacob mentioned last week is the sense of obligation right yeah mm -hmm. that i guess just enough too much people are talking about it like its scores are so high like there's some sort of threshold where it's like oh well I'm not into that stuff, but I guess I'll pick it up. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously those, even at face, if I look at it, like in a screenshot or gameplay footage, there are certainly those games that I've looked at before and been like, eh, I don't think this is for me. And then I actually go and play it. And I'm like, oh, no, this totally works for me. This one is is standing out. Yeah. And this could totally be that. But I, I yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I suspect I will want to have some opinion when it comes to Game of the Year discussions. Mm -hmm. Um so the, the at this point in my life, the Baldur's Gate that I have played the most is still Dark Alliance on PlayStation 2. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, game is trying to make me not get into it, but I'm powering through. I've I did this early dungeon where okay. you meet the skeleton at the end and you get this really cool amulet. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting ability. I want to see what you, I can do with that. You're just gonna call that guy a skeleton? <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. What would you call him? I'd call him. A, I'd call him a straight up mummy. <laughs> okay. It's kind of a moment. Yeah. You talking about Withers? Right. Yeah, yeah. love Withers. So great, mummy. Yeah. We all great. love. <laughs> I'm I'm walking out to the exit after the big combat encounter and everything. Mm -hmm. Not with Withers, great guy. 
and my cat steps on the quick load button and jumps me back to the start. Why was your cat that playing? Dungeon. That was your first mistake. <laughs> True. But I was like, okay, I guess maybe I'll do this later. I don't want to do it again. And then I do the controller thing a few hours later, and I'm like, okay, I want to get back into this. Let me do that because I really do want that amulet. And then I get there, get the amulet, leave, do a couple other things, quit. Later, come back and realize that it never autosaved for that whole session. I lost like two and a half hours of progress. And if I play oh, again, I'm going to have to go no. into that dungeon for the third time <laughs> to get that damn amulet. The mummy this is returns style. Um, <laughs> because like, what what is... Uh, I'm presuming you have to do one combat scenario, right? Like you have to do all the way through that fight again, right? Yeah. You got to like go through some crazy traps all over again. And obviously it won't take two and a half hours your second time, but it like it'll take some effort, right? Yeah, cause I'm super far away from it and I backtracked a long way to get to it. But it's it, again, it's like, oh, I don't want to go do that. But then I keep seeing opportunities. I could have used that amulet. And it's like, God, I'm just going to kick myself every time I see that unless I go and do it. Uh, I, I will say that I have I haven't been able to play nearly as much as I want to of this game yet because the. Like every combat scenario is like a whole thing that you are sitting down. It's you know comparable yes. to like a boss fight in another game is just like every encounter here. D and D baby. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool, but I also like at least lately have been gaming in like you know thirty to forty five minute sessions, and that's just like not enough to guarantee you will do anything in this game. Especially co-op, yeah. You you would you would not make a lot of progress playing this game for thirty hours. And yeah, something, so I'm, something I'm, to think about. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I am still. I think it being co-op actually is going to help me keep powering through it because I think if I were playing this game alone, and especially if I ran into that like you did, Leo, <laughs> I think I would have just been like, well. It was cool to experience this for a little bit. I can't do this. And I would have set it down. But I think having like a, a person to play it with and sort of a, a goal and to like, okay, we can sit down for an hour and a half right now and we can do something um, is going to motivate me to get further in it than I think I would alone. Yeah, I, I put it on easy mode for the sole purpose of trying to make the fights not as long. Uh, that's smart. Because fights I've... are fine, but a little over long. After our discussion about saves coming, uh, 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 I... I flipped my stance and I was like, actually, I'm just going to save scum this entire game top to <laughs> top to bottom end to start. If I think I'm going to get into a combat encounter, I quick save. If I get into a combat counter, I quick load. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be so picky and choosy with the actual fights that I go through with because there are, they are a lot and they are long and they're hard. Like the combats are, I think, a, a lot harder than just like an actual D&D combat where you really only have to worry about doing one thing with one person. Uh, then this one, there's always so many people. Like there's always like twice as many people yes. as you've got in your party. Uh, and a lot of them are higher level or more powerful. And it's just like, it can be a little overwhelming. So I'm just like, quick load, quick save, quick save, quick load. Out, out, out. No, thank you. Yes. Early on, I got in a fight and I was like 20 minutes into it and I felt like I was less than a quarter of the way through and I was like, I'm just going to play something else. <laughs> yeah, you know fair. what's awful is like doing three damage. You know what I mean? I don't know any other video game yes. where I can only do three damage. You know, it just hurts sometimes. And that was a yeah. spell slot. I wasted a spell slot on this. Yeah, I'm keeping in mind that I'm going to probably circle back when I'm like way OP, which is something you can't Ooh, really I like do. That in, idea. Yeah, you can't really do that in real D&D because those mm -hmm. encounters will just disappear. But in this one, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to fight like 
eight hobgoblins? No. <laughs> I'm going to come back when I'm level 15 and I'm going to sweep with one giant AoE fire spell and then, and then get whatever rewards that are way too paltry now <laughs> for this combat. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to talk about today in regards to Baldur's Gate 3 is two questions. One, uh, to the panel. Uh, what, what do you wish that more games would adopt from Baldur's Gate 3? What, what do you what do you wish more like what do you what do you want the influence of Baldur's Gate 3 to be in, in other future games that you might see? I mean, I kind of like the same thing out of it that I think I get out of like a Breath of the Wild Tears of the Kingdom thing, which is just that like the things you are given in the world don't just have the one video game use that you expect them to. So like, you know, if there is fire like that fire can be used to like you can light something you're holding on fire you can spread the fire like it's not just like red barrel explodes when you shoot it it's like this fire can do all kinds of things i don't, I don't expect every game to do that but like it's just it's a more fun playground when you get to like you know when you see something like like fire or like a you know a thing of poison or something like that mm -hmm. and you're like i know that there's more than just I need to, like, avoid walking in the fire or that, you know, like, I know that this can spread. I know that I can do multiple things with this. Um, and I think it, I don't know, it just makes games a little bit more toy-like when they give you mm. that. And and yeah. I like that. Uh, I, I, there's a lot here that I like. One, one of the things that I'm enjoying most about Baldur's Gate is... Uh, how rewarding it is for my dark curiosity <laughs> is there have been multiple times when in this game I've been like well this seems like a horrible thing to do so I'm definitely going to do it and let's see what happens uh, to eat this this is a relatively early one let me think about which one I want to spoil uh, there's you can go this is extremely funny and I did this on stream you can go to the goblin camp that you get to really early and there will be a priest there to a dark goddess who's like the goddess of pain uh, and if you talk to him he'll be like Duh, can I whip you for my goddess uh, she she likes that that's her thing and if you're like, yeah, okay, I guess whip me. Uh, and then if you, you gotta make, be confident with a question like that, you can't. You, you can't, can't. You know. Yeah, um, I wasn't, but I still did it. Uh, you can go and basically, he'll give you options of how you want to react. You can either like stop immediately, or at, basically at any time you can stop. Or if you go through the three rounds, you can like perform as though it hurts, or that, it, or as if it's really you're really tough and it doesn't hurt at all uh and if you pretend that it doesn't hurt at all and you're a, a, a hardcore character you'd get no reward but if you if you're like oh that hurts oh no goddess of pain why um you get a permanent buff you get a permanent reward that is like really good actually if you're it gives you a, a permanent blessing so that if you drop below like 30 percent health you get a plus two bonus on attacks and wisdom saving rolls which is a kind of a great bonus and so the troll goddess actually existed and then actually blessed you yeah yeah it was legit she was the goddess wow. of pain and <laughs> and this dude was like yeah i'm a priest of the goddess of pain you did a great job being in pain <laughs> and the goddess That's loved cool. how much this hurt you and so uh, I just got a boat and like the game does that pretty consistently where it's like this seems like some really dodgy surgery that I should not undertake and then it changes your character permanently and you get this cool bonus and I really like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, hard to role play an atheist in this world. You're getting a lot of proof. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I agree with funny. what's been said so far. For for sure. I, I would add the way that they handle dice rolls, I think, is really good. Mm-hmm. Plenty of games have that kind of random chance, even in like dialogue options of, you know, it's a 60% chance you'll persuade them or whatever. But having that kind of visualization that we all understand and even just the die, you know, plus the modifiers and the opportunity to add the extra modifiers, like that all is really cool. But I think plenty of games could introduce some kind of just like visual element of that act of chance happening, which adds a little bit of a thrill, especially with these like tight sound effects that are really good. That is such a good point because I just think of all the times that like, you know, you think you have a, a you have like a 70% shot, but like you lose it like three times or something and you just feel like, what? there's no way that could have happened. But if I like, right. if I saw dice rolls happening mm-hmm. and each one was like a, you know, added up to 60, like, you know, you had to pass 70 or whatever, I don't know. Um, but they all like added up to the numbers that failed or something. I would be like, okay, I accept that a lot more than <laughs> I randomly didn't get this 70% chance thing three times. Like, right. I would have loved that in like Disco Elysium or something. Uh, I also like sure. to, that you kind of gestured to Leo is that like, it shows you the bonuses that you have. And it can also like, you can apply bonuses in that moment. Uh, so like there, there are some bonuses or some spells that you can apply at the exact moment that you're doing the role, which I really appreciate because it's like, I don't, I'm not always going to remember to have, I don't know, this this weird buff bonus that D&D is just so full of. And so it's nice to not always have to remember to do that ahead of time. You can get to the screen where you need to roll and you don't have to back out and be like, bard, buff me. It just, it it will let you do it in that moment, which I really like. Totally. Uh, yeah, on d- the note of the dice, has anybody noticed the karmic dice option in the settings? Yes. No. So explain what karmic dice is. Uh, the way it lays it out is that there's a natural balancing if you are going to get a bunch of bad rolls in a row. Mm-hmm. They'll like give you some good ones. And it's on by default. You can turn it off and have totally natural rolls. But they like have that built in, like Kelsey was saying, that sense of like distrusting that you're actually getting that. They have that built in like balance that's, to that. That's fascinating because that's something that like, I mean, to, to Kelsey's point, this is something that games do secretly quite a lot where they yeah. will put their thumb on the scale to, to make sure that you're still having a good time even when things are going poorly. So the fact that that is an explicit setting in this game is really funny. Um. And I'm sort of a degenerate in that I turned it off because I like, you know, I, I like the gamble. You know what I mean? I actually bring up the dice is such an interesting thing. If you haven't played the game, when you're in combat, you are rolling dice. You never see it, right? You just see the results. But almost every other decision or intense action that you try to do in the overworld outside of combat, you will see a D20, a 20 sided die and you click on it and you see it roll. And then even if you get a bad number, it's still exciting. And sometimes it's like it, it <laughs> It feels like a you know pop cap game, you know what I mean? Like it really just it's got like a little buzzes and whirs, and like there is like a, a true excitement to seeing. I mean, it makes no sense, right? You're playing this adventure game, you're in this world, you're in this fantasy realm, and then suddenly you're taken out to see a, a little you know toy device. But like to me, it works. I really, really do like seeing that thing roll around. That's a great point. It is a very meta UI element, and it is kind of inherently intrusive to like mm-hmm. the, the 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 delightful fantasy world that you're in but it also does like highlight the dnd-ness of it so i think it's a it's a really interesting game choice yeah uh, and and i agree about one 
wanting those low numbers. I haven't had the courage to turn off Karmic Dice yet, but I was just <laughs> telling my DM in Dungeons and Dragons last night, uh, I would love to roll more so that I can be bad more, you know, <laughs> instead of just yeah. doing the thing I want to do. <laughs> And I think, a, I think a DM in real life would give you karmic dice. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the, what this game doesn't have is sympathy. You know what I mean? It doesn't have that, like, you know, when you look at your friend and you're like, I know you worked really hard on this character. I'm not going to kill you. The, the orc slips. You know what I mean? The game does not have any. They will, the game will absolutely just kill you for anything. Um, right. The one thing I was thinking of, is one thing that I love, and I, I, I love to see in this game, I'd love to see in other games, is... Um, uh, okay, so talking back about Withers, right? The the skeleton in the dungeon that Leo has to go meet for the third time. Um, Wait, is it a mummy or a skeleton? It's a mummy. Okay. Uh, uh, Mummy's a skeleton with clothes on. Yeah. Gives, I mean, well, humans are skeletons skeleton. with yeah. clothes on, to be clear. Whoa. Whoa. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing he gives you, right? It's a necklace that allows you to use the spell speak to the dead anywhere, right? It's, it's so it's a really nice like little benefit to get right anything who's lying down on the ground dead you can have a conversation with for the rest of the game that's incredible think of think of like trying to write that think of like trying to like okay so for every npc i need to write dead dialogue yes and branches <laughs> of that you know what i mean it's, i can't even imagine Wild. the task yeah. uh i appreciate the power of saying no to narrative threads in video games a lot you know what I mean? So like, there's like a dead guy like there, right? And like, I know the game wants me to go talk to him. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. But I'm glad <laughs> that you wrote all of that because it's like, I'm like actually actively making this choice of like, I don't care, but I am I do care that you, that th I know that this creature would speak if I talked to him, you know? That kind of thing really does like help sell me into a world. Just knowing that all of the lore is there, the conversation is there, whether I ignore it or not. I think that's totally. Yeah, I think that's a very responsible take to have for massive games like this, where it's like sometimes you you are in control of your own fun here. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and if you, it can be so easy to get overwhelmed with plot threads and be be just like, I don't, I'm not that interested in this character, but I have to finish their story. Is like, I think having that built-in resilience to stuff you don't care about is essential. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I would really love to tie it into Hitman really quick, <laughs> as I always would. Uh, somebody was complaining about uh, Hitman having these goofy outfits where you can dress as a clown or a bird or whatever. Wait, hold on. Who is somebody? Somebody on Reddit that I hate <laughs> read their thread in all the comments. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, but I was like, and this is what I said in my really wise response. I said, the existence of those suits which you hate it deepens your decision not to use them it deepens yeah. like wow. you choosing to be a professional in this world and i think that's true of all these systems games it's like the stuff you don't want to interact with that's still like you creating your own version of that story and that experience and i think that's very rich and cool did you write that in the reddit thread or just think it i replied it and if i may say Three upvotes. <laughs> Use it as your get a load of this later so that we can put a link in the comments. And, you know. All right. So uh, next question. And well, Kyle, hold on. Gonna... I want, I oh, want. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was going to make you answer this next question. More pre-rendered yeah. cut scenes of bugs crawling into eyeballs. 
Let's I get in more games. Trailer. I think that was just a promotional trailer. I don't think that was that's an opening cutscene. So opening cutscene. Yeah. Oh, right when. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah you 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 have erased it from your memory. You do not want to remember it. I. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the game has a lot of eye stuff. That's what I'll say. The game. Oh, the no. game has a surprising You're amount. Not selling me. Of, of eye stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, things we don't want to see in a video game oh, ever yeah. again because that's, yeah. that's that one for me no more, more than enough for a lifetime we're done <laughs> it's uh kyle it's why i want to start with you for the next question is what what do you wish uh baldur's gate 3 incorporated from other games what do you think it's missing what would you like to see it, ad- it adopt and oh, i man. find this interesting from some from your perspective of someone who's like truly you know not not vibing with it well, they certainly don't need to make a different game to appeal to me. That's a no, waste of time. We're just talking uh, wishes. What do you wish? <laughs> I don't know. I like. I just struggle in general. I mean, certainly there are games that I love that do this, but it's like I don't like managing a group of people with with menus and stuff mm. like that. You know, like the XComs of the world, and that's just not my genre. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I need to play the game to decide what they could change to make it appeal to me more. And who knows? maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll play it. I'll be like, this is great. What was I thinking? But I'm I imagining know. the patch note. It's like, what patch note would you see where you're like, oh, baby, I'm in now. That's what I needed to see this game do. Uh, God, I mean, if they just it? wholesale yeah. turn it into an action game <laughs> without yeah. too much menu navigation, sure, removed I mean, menus yeah. from Baldur's yeah. Gate 3. <laughs> I do feel like for me, um, not that I wish Baldur's Gate was like this or anything, but I find um, games like this that are on an actual grid like a hundred times easier for my brain to understand than yeah. this very, like, you can move wherever kind of thing. And you, like... I have no problem keeping track of, like, 18 Fire Emblem characters on a grid. Um, I have a lot of problems keeping track of, like, four on an open field. Mm. You know, that's mm. that's harder for me. Um, I don't wish it were different. I'm just, I just don't have the, like, I don't have the, the chops for it yet. I'm still still learning those. Uh, it kind of ties into my, my thing, actually, is that uh, the stealth mechanics in this game are so weird because, like, the, the mm-hmm. vision cones of, like, you can see where people can see, right? It's, like, red splotches. It's, like, very, the, the stealth is very splotchy in this game. And I do. I feel like something like a grid, you know what I mean? Something where it's just, like, person can see here, and in two seconds they'll be looking that way. You know what I mean? If, if anything, like, sneaking around is just so insanely... Uh, squiggly in this game, I feel. You know what I mean? It's it's really yeah. hard to get a grasp on it. Yeah, especially because sneaking much. around, if your group is following you, like <laughs> the tail end of your group will just wander into the zone, and then the stealth is completely ruined. Like you got to remember to split up like that. You got to go one at a time. More, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. More automation would I'm be good. Very bad at remembering to split my party. You even when in moments it would obviously be the best thing to do. It's just hard. <laughs> it's hard just to like take that moment and be like, actually, why don't you break off? Uh, and kind of to Kelsey's point, I do wish that there was some sort of graphic when you're in melee striking distance of someone. Because I, I will often move a character really close and be like, is that, did I do it? Is it close enough to, to hit with my sword or not? Um, so that's a thing. I also wish there was just an AI control for the three other people on my team. I just want to click something on and let them... I, ju- I just want to control my character. I am Sailor Blood Moon, and I just want to be Sailor Blood Moon. I do not want to be I the forgot other. about Sailor Blood Moon. <laughs> the <other> three <laughs> randos. <laughs> I, just, I just want them to do their own thing. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. And and seconded, like, just what resonates with me more personally is tactics versus turn-based. Like, if it's going to be turn-based, I prefer a tactical grid-style thing mm. where moves matter a little bit more. But short of that, like, anything more active in the turn-based combat. Like, I loved Like a Dragon's combat for the little twists it had where you still had to be paying attention. Even if you're auto-battling, you had to pay attention for those, like, QTEs. A little something like that would work better for me, but again, I get they're going for 5e combat and honoring that as accurately as possible, it seems. <laughs> uh, I, that do, was I do love right. timing a button press with turn-based combat. That's, like, key to my heart. You know, huh? Mario RPG, that kind of thing. Huh? Yeah, even if we could just add one damage to it, if you just press circle at the right time or something, that would be pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Does that come from I'm, all um, of the times playing Pokemon growing up and convincing yourself if you hit B at the right moment, it would have a higher chance of catching Pokemon, <laughs> do you think? Uh, I held down in B, I think, but for oh, sure, yeah. That's different. Different. Yeah, lore. everyone had a different like schoolyard rumor about oh. that one. It was yeah. sometimes it was down, sometimes it was B, sometimes it was both, sometimes it was rapid press B. Yeah, I moved around a lot as a kid, so I I <laughs> heard access. like four different versions of this. <laughs> Great, Kelsey. Am I? Am I? Maybe you can help me with this. Am I confusing Earthbound with with Mother Three? Or doesn't Earthbound do that? But it does. Mother not Three definitely it. does. I don't remember if Earthbound does. I think Earthbound does, but it doesn't even ever even slightly hint at a tutorialization of it so i you i think i discovered it like 30 hours into that game or something but i might be i could be misremembering that you can press buttons in time to do more damage but i could be absolutely wrong and mixing it up with mother three that could be i think think you could be totally right right? yeah in mother three you time it with the music yes um i i could have gone through earthbound without having ever learned that so i believe you (laughs) yeah but uh, yeah, uh, I love that kind of stuff. Would Pokemon have been improved if when there is a Pokeball, you like a D20 shows up? <laughs> no. And you roll it? <laughs> no. <laughs> you okay, all right. roll it that, I mean, like, I wonder, like, if I would have, like, I want to see the results. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'm like, no, no, I caught that one, you know, and when it breaks out. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess three I, shakes is your D20, right? It's like, you did, that one wasn't close. You had a really, you got a nat one on that one. It just popped out. Exactly. I don't know if I get, like, uh, Pokemon never tells you like the odds at all. You know, like the, obviously yeah. those calculations are happening somewhere in the background, and I don't know if I'd be more mad or less mad if I knew the odds. You know, because like <laughs> oh, sometimes guess. you're throwing an Ultra Ball and you're like, this has got to be pretty good odds. Like mm-hmm. I, it's low health and I'm throwing the best ball there is. Like clearly this is gonna work, and then you end up throwing like 15 of them. And I think I think if I knew that even like you know, with the Pokemon at five health and put to sleep and using an Ultra Ball that my chances were still like 8%. I wonder if I'd just be like, why am I even bothering? This is stupid. I'm never going to get be, it. And I, I wouldn't even try. I think it would be demoralizing, yeah. Let us now talk about a very simple game that's action heavy, the kind that Kyle Hilliard might be interested in. <laughs> Let's talk about The Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Seasons, which re- just yeah. recently was added to uh, the Nintendo Switch online catalog. Uh, Kyle, you've been playing this? Yeah, I finished Oracle of Seasons. Um, nice. Which, uh, proudly, to to no one's benefit and to my own detriment, I was very concerned about not using, not save scumming that game and using save states. I was like, I'm not going to use save states. I'm going to play this as if I were playing it on a Game Boy. And uh, 
to, to it impressed nobody. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Oh, thank you. Yeah, from one Kyle I, to another. I a, yeah. I have a question, real quick, uh, that I should know. What is the difference between Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages? Great question. Well, this this is something I'm still learning. So, Oracle of the Oracle games, I obviously am familiar with, I, I, and I dabbled with them on Game Boy back in the day. It was like one of those I never owned, but a friend had it, and I played the first hour, and then they came to 3DS a couple of years ago, and I started ages there. But this was the first time that I sat down, and I was like, I'm going to beat this game for real. And I Googled, and uh, someone, I, I saw general suggestions being that you should start with Seasons. Um which uh, Ages was actually the one that interested me more because like of the course. time travel sounds more interesting than changing seasons. It's, seasons. There's all these doubles that are like Diamond and Pearl that's like choose whatever resonates with you more but going through Ages is infinitely more interesting than changing yeah. seasons. Ew. So, and maybe you guys can help me with this because I've only started Ages but they actually seem pretty radically different like m- like more so than I expected. I, and I, I did like, do you guys know if the dungeons are all different between the two oh, games, they're all different. Yeah, they're two yeah, entirely different games. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they, yeah, they designed like twenty dungeons. That's so crazy. But yeah, yeah, I was, I really thought what I was getting into was like you said, Leo, like the the Pokemon Red Blue situation. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I I I beat seasons, I got my code, I brought it into Ages, yeah. and it was like a completely different story. It, like it picks up as like a sequel. It's crazy. It's like they made two full Zelda games and release them at the same time. And apparently the original plan was to do three, but they canceled mm-hmm. the third one because they were just like, well, we can't do three. That's absurd. <laughs> Who would do three? We could do two, though. It's like, oh my god, what, what's wrong with you guys? Wait, you, well, the original what? Pokemon was supposed to be like 8,000 because they wanted uh, every oh, they wanted right. every cartridge yeah. to be different and be like a randomized... Um, yeah. It was. I can't remember the exact number, but it's whatever like the uh, most unique amount of like random number generated yeah. in one bite is kind of thing but um yeah it, they wanted everyone to have a slightly different like array of pokemon that you can get and cool. there were like 8000 different combinations for that and uh then somebody was rightfully like hey so that would be really expensive to do at like a factory <laughs> level um so we're not going to do that how about two <laughs> Kyle, did you hear what the because it's Oracle of Seasons and Ages? Did you hear what the third one was going to be? Was there any evidence of that? Oh, uh, I could, it's probably easy to find. I think you could Google it. I'll, I'll Google after this. Yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, Tame Kitty in the backstage pass chat says Oracle of Minutes. I think that's a joke. I don't think it's a minute <laughs> base. I think it's a good idea, regardless. It's yeah. not a bad idea. Um. But, I do uh, remember one thing I remember the shorthand would be that like uh seasons is puzzle based, ages is action based. Yeah, it, it, although I think you have that. them flipped, I think. I think seasons is the more action y one. You're but about I, to play no, when when you hop into ages, you're double the action, bro. Okay. I'm so you just walked hey, into the action. I'm sorry. Game. It's a shooter. It's a shooter. <laughs> 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 Finally they gave Link a gun. But uh, we should say it's it's all it's not I don't think it's the Link's Awakening engine per se, but it's like it's Link's Awakening's graphic set. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's the tile set Link looks the same as Link's Awakening. It's basically like a spiritual sequel to Link's Awakening split two ways. Yeah, um, it feels it feel it feels like Link's Awakening. It feels like a yeah. like a Link's Awakening that I never got around to playing. And uh, I it charmed the hell out of me. I had a great time with it. 
Uh, everyone's out there playing Baldur's Gate, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> working, getting through Oracle of Seasons and having a grand old time. What's a moment in your adventure that stands out to you? Oh, the final, the final boss was both infuriating and kind of interesting because like in the sort of the way you defeat them which i guess i won't spoil i mean it's a funny thing to say let's not spoil oracle of seasons but i mean there are probably quite a few people like me who are playing it on switch for the first time definitely yeah yeah heard a lot about it but um yeah i mean the other thing i did was which is again it was just really for my own benefit because i'm a uh a masochist i guess is i i did not use any guide i didn't google mm, anything cool. Um, and, uh, and I really enjoyed it that way. And it's, it, it was, it's fun to go into that game knowing that it's, uh, Fujibayashi, the director of Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom's like first Zelda game. Oh. And like, and you kind of like, you see little things here and there that you're kind of like, oh, you know, that maybe that sort of blossomed into an idea that eventually made its way to Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom or even Skyward Sword. You know, that's the other Fujibayashi game and Minish Cap as well. Uh, the guys made a lot of good Zelda games. Um, but yeah, I just I, I I really I really enjoyed it. Like I and I'm and I'm I am taking a break before jumping into ages, like playing some other things. But like I want to play them both just to see the trajectory of the thing because they are like a pair. Like they go together. There is a story, a light story that goes through both of them. And there's like uh, characters from Ocarina of Time are making appearances and stuff. Like Twin Rova, the like the I don't know sort of main antagonist of the game is you know a boss character in ocarina of time and all and all that kind of stuff is fun there's like another there's a race that i've never really interacted with in any zelda games that they're they're not goron but they live underground and they like bathe in lava and stuff like that so as someone who just loves zelda it's 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 been really fun to sort of have access to those games on switch finally yeah. And if you, yeah, if you're, uh, if you're not a fan of brother, if you like an old school like classic Zelda game, like these are like I think iconic examples of this era of Zelda games, right? Where it is like it is kind of Link's Awakening vibes, so like very tight little uh, dungeons with very very specific through lines and lots of like you get your you get your little upgrade and you unlock your next little area. Uh, I think it's great. I think they're great games. You're m- yeah, making there's like me... that. L- yeah, I really want to go back and play them now. There's that language you kind of learn in the dungeons where you're like, okay, this is clearly something I can't figure out right now. So I just have to leave this room. And I haven't had that Zelda itch scratched that way in a while. Yeah. Because, um, like, you know, Link's Awakening remake uh, exists and I played that game and finished it. But that was a version of a game I had, had already played. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know, had a basic idea of what I was, I was getting into for sure. Uh, there's some cheap bosses and what you're telling me is in your playthrough you would die to that boss and then go back to the dungeons beginning with three hearts and then walk into the teleporter how many times did you have to do that? I mean there were a few that were uh, excruciating <laughs> yeah, I imagine I was happy to use my save states playing through this game yeah no I it was it really hit a point of being stupid especially like the end <laughs> boss which has like three forms yeah, 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 three forms, and you have to fight a mini boss on the way to the final boss. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, I probably had to fight, try that end boss like eight or nine times, 
And I was like, what am I doing at a certain point? I'm like, just make a save state right out in the front door. No one's going to be mad at you. It's built into the system. But I was like, no, I've got to do this right. I'm not Googling anything. Well, yeah. What is the motivation to do something, quote unquote, correctly? uh, I don't have an answer to that. Why would you ask? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. That's that's the funny thing. It's like, I truly don't know. I will say I... I don't I don't want to Google solutions like I get more out of a Zelda game by sort of discovering the solutions on my own. Googling yeah. something really takes the wind out of my sails in a big way. And it like makes fair. me feel like I'm playing it wrong. But like, like it's a puzzle game. So you should spend yeah. some time trying to figure out the puzzles like I, I get that. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's stupid. Like I, I hope I you did I didn't think I I hope you didn't think I was insulting you in any way or being genuinely no. upset. But like it's, I would react the same way. If I'm like stuck on a boss, yeah, just I should make a save state out by the front door and not sort of replay the whole dungeon to make my way to it. But I don't know. I just wanted to I wanted to have the purest experience uh, for my own you know personal pride or whatever i don't know and you did it right Kyle bossman like, was impressed so i did something right yeah because what's interesting about that whole thing to me right is uh i asked you the the something that stands out in your adventure you know what i mean you didn't say like you know this the flooded village or like the you know riding on a cool pirate ship with a bunch of skeletons the thing that stood out to you was that excruciating boss fight you had to reload eight <laughs> times yeah you know and like uh like maybe sometimes that like your your memories are forged in the pain you know what i mean i like i think like the boss fights we all remember the most are the ones that we grinded as opposed to the ones that we cheesed with save states it also helps that it functions in fact i'll make like a little tiktok video at some point but it it functions similarly to the final boss of Mega Man x which is something i never would have called in a million years <laughs> That sounds. That should be a half-hour YouTube video. Do not make that a TikTok. <laughs> you could. You could really. You could really extrapolate on that. I think that sounds That's good true. already. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I I had a great time with it, and uh, I'm excited to get into it, to do ages. And it's like the there was also just the little fun element of like using the code. You beat the game, and you get a code, and you take that over to the other game, and it acknowledges what you've done so far. I think it even changes the opening, like sort of dialogue and cutscene a little bit, I assume. It, it it seemed reflective of what I had done. And it also throws you an extra heart when you play Ooh. that way too. So you I started your ages of four. I ooh. I don't I don't think so. I don't think you do get to keep the rings. I, I didn't think, love I that system. Snakes. I didn't I really think, think that was that interesting. Yeah, I agree with you there though. Yeah. Cause like everything er, the rings are like randomized and like the the benefits they give you are incredibly minor and specific or they just <laughs> make the game harder. Mm-hmm. Just like I, to the point where I was like, I just equipped the most basic one and never really changed it. And I was always bummed when I would go through this, you know, this giant marathon to find a chest. And it's like, you got a ring. Now you got to go pay 20 bucks to see what it is. And I'm like, Can I have a heart piece instead. Like, I would have rather taken that if you don't mind. I think the seeds are worse. You get a yeah, seed, you have seeds. to plant the seed to make yeah. a tree grow. And then the, the it creates a gotcha nut and you open the gotcha nut and you like, maybe you get a ring or maybe you get a fairy that just flies away. Yeah. And your hearts are full already. And it's like, well, yeah. I'm glad I spent <laughs> two hours dealing with that tree. What a great so time that was. It's so whimsical though. It's so whimsical. It's, it's yeah. very whimsical. Yeah. Hell yeah. There's also, uh, I like, um, there's a, you start the game and there's a house with like a woman who just had a baby mm-hmm. and then you can, you can name the baby. And for some reason, this kid ages like rapidly through the course of the game. Like every two dungeons you go back to it and it's like at a new life cycle. It's like going from infant to toddler to child running around. 
And uh, and then when it ages, I actually found that family. And the idea is that they moved to the new town where ages takes place. And the kid has aged and maintains the name that I gave him. Which I was like, I was like, how a sprout because they were all like, um, they were all like, it was a tree based family. Uh, So I tried to figure out a name that was like tree based. Uh, But Uh, now they're an adult person named Sprout, though. That's right. (laughs) You weren't thinking ahead. I don't know how it maintained my naming. Like between that code was like, I don't know, 16 characters. Like, how did it know I kept the the name? I I was, I don't know how it did that. Interesting. It just maybe it just like it knows that it's like oh everyone's gonna name it some kind of plant so there's like <laughs> six names that it like knows but uh yeah cool game we and such a strange experiment having the two like it 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 learning that they're so different like blew my mind I can't believe that they made two full Zelda games and that was scaling it down from a plan three like what an absurd <laughs> plan <laughs> that was. Mary in the backstage past chat googled it and says the third Oracle's game supposedly had a theme of changing time throughout the day okay so Oracle oh, of Minutes weird. was right well Minutes was yeah. not far so that wasn't okay. a bit okay fair alright All right. But, uh, that's neat but yeah maybe I'll check in in a few week with week, weeks uh, and see where I'm at with ages so Kelsey, you you brought a game to this podcast that I had never heard of before. Today we're talking about Shotgun King. Yeah, and I had never heard of it either, even though I just Googled and apparently it came out last year, but it came out for consoles um, very recently. Um, so this is a game where it is a like it's a, a standard chess board. Like you are you're playing chess, but you are by yourself you are a king the the black king chess piece and uh you have a shotgun and that's why it's called shotgun king and so it's a it's a strategy game um that um i I guess they call it a rogue light but really it's just kind of like you know you have different you don't really like start over with a lot of advantages or anything there's just kind of different ways of going through the i think it's 12 floors of the game um, but you're trying to essentially just annihilate all of the white pieces, like all every white chess piece. You're just kind of trying to kill them, and every every and you have the shotgun, so you can be a couple spaces away from someone. You don't necessarily have to kind of take them in like traditional chess fashion. Um, you can you can shoot them, and uh, as you progress, you get um, what I find a, a really interesting system of like uh, you can choose a like a perk for yourself for the next floor, but it also gives the um, the enemy like a different, usually much better perk. So it gets progressively harder, not just because, you know, you get more pieces on the board and like, um, you know, more of the, the pieces that are really deadly that can move all the way across the map and everything, but, um, but also you're giving them a bunch of advantages. Um, so... I, as someone who just kind of likes, like, tactics games, I really love this very, like, scaled-down, very fast version of a tactics game. Um, and I found it very, very fun. I think I think anyone who likes chess and or just tactics games, I think, will like this. It, it surprised me. I, I watched the trailer, and I was like, this looks interesting. And then I ended up playing for several hours, just playing through the same floors over and over again. So, so at the beginning, let's say round one, I've just started a run. Um me playing the game like what can i do on a turn basically it's my turn what like what actual actions are you taking 
So, you know, you're a king piece, so those are yeah. like the crappiest piece in the game. You can only move one square any direction. Okay. Um, and then you have um, a shotgun that can get upgraded, you know, depending on what you choose throughout the game. But that shoots like a couple spaces away and you can kind of, you know, turn it. So you're either moving or you're shooting and or you can stay still. And every time you stay still or don't shoot, you reload your your shotgun, which you do have sure. to do every once in a while. So you, I think it starts you off as um, as a base with just two shots before you have to reload. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, as you kill things, you may be able to start moving. Like you can do like a single move once, like the piece you killed. So if you kill, you know, a bishop, you can one time call on that bishop that you killed to move diagonally out of the way, uh, you know, further than you normally could. But it's just a very like... I like how simple it is because I already know chess. Like I'm not I'm not good at chess or anything, but like I I already know what every piece does. So it takes so little explanation to just start going. Like, you know, most tactics games are like, okay, this is a, you know, this person has a spear and spears beat swords and swords beat, you know, like it, it's all of these different pieces that you have to learn. Um, but because it's literally just using chess pieces, I think it's a, a very smart way to just kind of set you up and get you immediately going in a, in a tactics game. Yeah. I'm looking at the, the watching the trailer as this goes and to, to this feels like an important clarification. All of the pieces are still moving like chess pieces, which is the strategy aspect is that you have to be cognizant of when they're getting up on your spot. Uh, but I think that, yeah, that's an interesting way of making a really quick start strategy game where it's like, you all, all you have to know is the rules for chess, which I think generally we kind of, even if you don't play chess, you've got like a rough idea. Right. Yeah, I mean, all you really have to know is like how the pieces move. Like if you just mm. know that like a rook can move straight and sideways and you know that a bishop can move diagonally and stuff like it's as long as you know those things like the rest of it is just it's just a strategy game where you're eliminating each other you know like it's not it's not that complicated you just have to know how the pieces move what's and get the out one, of the way what's the one perk that shows up where you're like oh yeah i'm having a good run what's your favorite <laughs> perk to get good question there's a it's like the wand of something and it's just one time during your match you can't use it to kill the the king on the other side, but you can just rain down and basically choose like from the very beginning, just kind of pick one piece off. So hmm. um, I usually, yeah, yeah. So I, I it, it's not an instant kill, but I have yet to. It has always done enough damage to kill whatever my target is. I don't know if there's a limit to it or not. I've never not had it do that. So. Um, cause it just counts down the, the points. So it's like, you know, it does one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever damage. And then that thing's gone. But yeah, I usually just use it to, to pick off like the queen. Cause that's the most versatile piece. Mm. Um, or if I have like, if the team has a, a bishop on both a black square and a white square, I'll maybe just like pick off one of them. So then I'm like, okay, black squares are now safe from the oh, only remaining saying. bishop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool. And it's on, it's on Switch as well. Where were you playing it? On I was playing on Switch, yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's on all consoles now. I saw it I at least saw it on Xbox as well. I don't know if it's on PlayStation 5. That's Shotgun such perfect King. Switch vibes. I'd say yeah. it's I'd yeah, say it's, it's like great. 
80s PC visuals, right? Was that how we would describe it too? Yeah, it does like the fake scan lines thing, kind of like a like a lo-fi, you know, old computer look. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know, it's so simple. The whole game is in essentially black and white because it's a chess game, so it's just very, <laughs> very simple color palette, very easy to understand uh, pieces and everything. Leo, what's going on in Hunt the Showdown this week? Uh, it's just Hunt Showdown, actually. Hunt colon Showdown. There's no the? There's no the. I feel crazy right now. <laughs> I, I, you said it before the show, and I didn't correct you, and that's because I'm sabotaging you. I don't see that <laughs> well, no, I appreciate that. So it's just called Hunt colon Showdown? Yeah. Okay. Hunt Showdown. What's going on in that game this week? Um, for some reason, it's having a big resurgence. Maybe it was a okay. Steam sale, but I'm not the only one who's suddenly getting into it. But I've been meaning to get into it forever. I just needed the right group, and I finally had people to, like, guide me through it. It's this super... It's kind of an extraction shooter. PvP and PvE. So you... If you find another team, your top priority is to take them out. But the PvE, the little zombies walking around and stuff, are really impactful, too. And they are a concern. But a huge component of the game is sound cues. So if you walk past a flock of birds too close they'll go flying away and people can hear that bird sound look over see the birds rising into the sky and go like okay so a team just moved through over there and that's true of the pve like zombies as well if you have to like if you get pushed in a corner and you have to shoot a zombie people are going to hear that gunshot from like halfway across the map and the experienced player i was playing with shouts out zurazawa from the minimax discord and the leo vader discord uh he had this insane sense of like I barely noticed anything happened, and he would go, oh, somebody set off a cage full of chickens to the northeast of us. <laughs> and it's these tiny sound cues that are specific enough to learn, but it's like well, ultra hardcore, every little mistake matters like that. Well, okay, are you getting like an, like a, the map lights up with like a red icon because there was a sound over there, or it's like literally no. you have to have it's headphones like on and touch, the volume turned up? Touch Earth, something has happened here. That kind of vibe. It's, yes, a lot more like that. It's a really hardcore okay. like HUD experience. You don't even know if you downed someone or killed them. You never find uh. out till you go to the body or you find out at the end of the match. You can see wow. like, oh, that's this person down me, I down that person. It yeah. is interesting because th- that's another sound cue where I was relying on Zurazawa to say that you killed that person because it was like such a tiny scream I didn't even notice, but it's like I got one <laughs> shot off on them and then and had to duck behind scream. a wall again. It's really intense. What, is a, tiny, what is a tiny death scream? Oh! <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not assume that was a kill either. No. Yeah, that's a normal reaction to being shot, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we all but know. I, I, all it kind of takes me back to the golden era of like PUBG, where mm. I really enjoyed those small fights that would happen in these little bespoke situations and areas. You know, this little like four house square you would have this memorable fight of like holding up at the top of the stairs and they push you and you jump out the back balcony and get them from the bottom or whatever little situations like that this game is just full of those and it also is scratching my specific itch of like slow old-timey weapons it's almost like a wild west bayou type of energy all your weapons are single shot and then you have to like recock the revolver or switch weapons or whatever and reloading takes forever and that's stuff that i really respond to i really like having like fewer shots that matter way more mm. i really enjoy that kind of gunplay 
Is there a lot of different guns? Like, can you, are you like, can you like be the sniper or you want to be the shotgun man? The shotgun king, sorry. (laughs) Definitely plenty of variety and good progression too of doing more with one gun. You get new like variants of that. You get a variant with a scope or one that's built for more close range or whatever. But you also are so... It depends on luck because I, I finally got a scope sniper and I was like, I can't wait to use this. And every time I brought it in for three matches in a row, it was like rainy nighttime. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> but that's, but I, I mean, really do love that. Yeah, that's nice. I agree. It, it, it The rain made for some of the most interesting fights I had of like b- barely being able to tell where people are and like, OK, <laughs> I might be able to sneak this way and get them. Really fun, long fights of... Everybody cares about their own life so much that they're playing really carefully (laughs) and finding out where someone is is this like huge piece of information that you have to be like careful with. But maybe they're counting on that and they have a trap set up and you have to look out for those. It's like the right kind of uh, small fights that matter a lot and are really tense. And there's the PVE element is you're trying to like take out this boss, be the first to get all the clues to find the boss to fight them or you can chance upon them first and get lucky but once you start like finishing off the boss you have to wait there to do what's called banishing them and that alerts the map and so you know people are going to come and try and take that from you or take you out before you finish banishing it and if you you extract you you lose that stuff if you get it and extract you win Mm -hmm. but you can also extract if you don't get it and you're just like i want to preserve this life because you have these few characters that are kind of random but i think it's from a set pool but they have a consistent like traits and you level them up if you keep them surviving or they die and they're gone for good well i guess it's a fair question how is this game monetized <laughs> it is 40 dollars. it was okay, on sale cool. for 16 so like free to play thing it's like just straight up you buy this game um it is they do have a lot of dlc you can buy legendary characters and things mm-hmm. that give you somewhat of an advantage but it's all stuff that you also could earn so I think the community is happy with it. The person I was playing with said that they got like they had a ton of amazing stuff and they said they only got it from playing, which is cool. Yeah. Decent, um, decent value for the buy in for sure. OK, so now that you're in on this game, Leo, how much longer does everyone else have to play it before it goes offline? <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> is this a pattern? Yeah. This is a pattern. Exactly. I've got. Yeah. Somebody in the Twitch chat when I was streaming it said, sorry to this game. Leo's given it the kiss of death. <laughs> what other games you know that, you've given kiss that, of death to? That story, Rumbleverse, Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines. There's uh, like there's the stories of these like hospitals that will have a a cat that goes room to room and (laughs) the the patients and you know it's like the the cat knows if someone's about to pass away and that that's Leo and and multiplayer games I think. Yeah, I am oddly I do oddly get drawn to stuff and then that ends up happening. So yeah, there is something definitely spiritual going on. But I will say this game had its peak concurrent players on Steam really recently. It's oddly doing well even though it's been around for like four or five years. Cool. I've got a spiritual question for this panel. How does this whole thing operate? Human. Human maxers. (laughs) Don't sweat the small stuff. Nice. nice. So the the URL, unfortunately, has not changed. It is still patreon.com slash minmax. I understand, like, we'll get it fixed whenever possible. But for now, you would want to check out patreon.com slash M-I-N-N-M-A-X to see the Patreon for this uh, Conglomerate? What is this thing? <laughs> media, independent media company? Yeah. Independent this media is. outlet. I think that's what Ben says. Yeah. Support independent, independent media. media. Yeah. 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 yeah.
I cool. think we should circle back to conglomerate though. That was right <laughs> there, <they were> there. <laughs> Cartel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of uh, lots of cool benefits available for you there, depending on uh, how much you're able to give to uh, MinMax. But yeah, you know, people are people are watching us record this a lot right now live, uh, and they're hanging out in the backstage. There's so many things you can get early access to the various programs MinMax puts out. So yeah, check out uh, Patreon.com/MinMax. And now a moment to thank MinMax's biggest supporters. I have a suggestion for everybody. Uh, you should banish the end of summer blues with HelloFresh. No need to stress about how you'll handle it all this fall, because HelloFresh takes care of the meal planning and delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to your home. So whipping up a homemade meal is, you can whip up a homemade meal in a cinch. Okay, you know what I just realized? That was a, that mm. was a freebie. HelloFresh is not sponsored. It <laughs> <laughs> was a freebie from. I'm realizing. Like, did I say this last week? I did. <laughs> Congratulations, HelloFresh! You got yourself a little freebie. I mean, it doesn't make just, what you said not true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's what I really want to talk about. With the busy fall hey, get season. Get out of HelloFresh. <laughs> that was just the warm-up. Uh, I can't cut that. For the record, I can't cut that because of how the audio of the ad music is layered. So mm -hmm. they, they are lucky. <laughs> they You're freebie. welcome, HelloFresh. If you liked that ad read, here's another for you. <laughs> With the busy fall season just around the corner, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef Except prepared... no substitute. <laughs> approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Level up with Gourmet Plus options. Gourmet Plus options, prepared to perfection with by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscaled meals with premium ingredients like broccoli, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. You know, it's like Ben Hansen always says, it was like a godsend in a house with a newborn. Genuinely really enjoyed them. And they come with smoothies. So you can head to factormeals.com slash minmax50 and use code minmax50 to get 50% off. That's code minmax50 at factormeals.com slash minmax50 to get 50% off. My friend yes. Luke who I hope yeah. use this promo code, Unforced said in our Discord that he loves these meals and he can't tell that they're microwaved at all. Hmm. It's always uh, like two minutes to two and a half minutes and they're delicious and yeah, they taste like re regular food. <laughs> I love that. Thank any Hey, anytime anybody can interject here and add some sincerity and truthfulness to these ad reads. It's please. true. He wasn't uh, big. <laughs> we got a lot this week. Uh, ready for another one? Yeah. You know, whenever I'm on a hot girl walk, I'm always feeling dehydrated and thirsty. Anybody else have this? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, some of that. It's every yeah, time I walk. Yeah. <laughs> so, Liquid IV, the number one powdered hydration brand in America, is now available and sugar-free. 
They got years in the making. Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free uses a proprietary zero sugar hydration solution with no artificial sweeteners and with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone. You can keep your daily routine exciting with three new flavors, white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. What do you what do you love most about Liquid IV panel? Uh, I so I've been using Liquid IV. I was just traveling, and mm-hmm. the thing I really like about them is they come in little they come in little pouches, and so it's really easy to add it to any drink, and it it it, it becomes drinkable immediately. Like it's such a fine powder that as soon as you add water to it, like you don't have to like wait for it to like dissolve or anything. It's just like bam, it is ready to go. Uh, and I really like that. I've got all three of those flavors that you just talked up, and I think they're all really good. None of them are very sweet. I don't, I don't personally like sweet sport drinks because it feels like when I drink a sweet sport drink, I'm like, I'm undercutting the work that I've just done <laughs> by eating this sugary, this sugary drink, which I don't love. So I, I like, I quite like the fact that they are not particularly sweet. We always have liquid IV in the house and, and we use it not only just as a hangover cure, but just like if we like want a little boost and don't want to have coffee, it's like Mm. totally gives you a a noticeable charge and it's just, and it's just plain yummy. Wow. I like them. I also, I don't drink them as a hangover cure or anything necessarily. I mostly just drink them because I'm really bad at drinking enough water and uh, it helps if it's delicious flavored. (laughs) True. Real people, real flavor, real hydrating. It's now sugar-free. Grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get this, 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code MINMAX at checkout. That is M-I-N-N-M-A-X. 20% off anything you order when you use promo code MINMAX at liquidiv.com. Receipt of copy does not constitute an order. You should, all, you should just, I guess you all got to know that. Uh, <laughs> got an, I got another spiritual question for the panel. What do you know about stamps.com? Oh, I use it all the time. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah, my, oh my God. Um, Here we go. I, yeah, yeah, I ship stuff uh, using stamps.com all the time for my business. It is very convenient. And I think... I've said this before on the podcast, but I think there's still a lot of people who don't know that, like, you do not have to go to a post office to, like, do the whole process of mailing a package. Like, I still see all these people in line with a box, and they get to the front, and they're like, this is where I'm sending it, and then they weigh it for you, and then you pay, you probably, like, overpay there because you're having someone basically do all this stuff for you. Um, Stamps.com, I think, sends you, like, a free scale, and even if... Yeah, so, like, you literally can just do this all and print the label, and then you skip the line at the post office, and you just place it on the counter, and you leave. And it's great. It's, like, it's so much easier than what everyone else is doing. So I use it all the time. I think it's great. It is very satisfying to jump that line, and then just give the the people at the post office one of these, you know, like the chin up, like, we know what. Hey, fellow package expert. Yeah. (laughs) I know about stamps.com. Yeah, you and me. I'm just going to leave this on the counter. You can deal with it. 
Uh, you know, honestly, you basically did the whole ad read. Well, uh, well, here's what everybody needs to know, is that you can set your business up for success when you get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MINMAX, M-I-N-N-M-A-X, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the little microphone in the upper right-hand corner of that page, and enter the code M-I-N-N-M-A-X. The H-U will come later. For now, it is simply MinMax. This is the promo code for all of these, yeah, except maybe, for... Go ahead. Maybe leave in the comments, like, it's going to be human Max, just so you know. Like, let them know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when you use it. And I realized, hey, that was a lot of promo codes, a lot of URLs. All of that will be in the the uh, info uh, on this uh, YouTube upload. Look for all that there. Also, a big thank you to longtime supporter of MinMax, I am 8-Bit, who this week would like to let you know about their Neon White exclusive edition for PlayStation 5 and Switch. Neon White is, of course, the single-player speedrunning first-person shooter where you can sacrifice your guns for godlike parkour moves. By the way, I love Neon White. That, that game's sick. Okay. Uh, yeah. Great game. This thing also, you should know, includes five Neon White anime-style character peeker stickers to put in your car windows. Uh, and also you should know that there's a new promo code on IM8Bit's website for $10 off anything under $100. That promo code is GOAT Cheese Month. Greatest of all time, Cheese Month. And that'll get you $10 off everything under $100. And also IM8Bit does another really cool thing. They give away a prize to the best community question of the week every week. This week's prize? The Eastward Vinyl Soundtrack, double LP. Hmm. Cool and games. thank you, everybody. Thank, thank you, all, all of those supporters. Woo. Ben Warren. You did extra like, work there. You did he's too like, much. I got, he's like, I got four this week. And then I, you know, I did I had four and a half, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Way through that. Oh, my God. But that's always our best uh, transition into community questions. These are questions from the community posted on that uh, aforementioned Patreon page. Uh, the best question will win that Eastward uh, vinyl soundtrack. Let us start with this from Luca Alberti. Hello, panel. After the release of Breath of the Wild, many fans asked for a Majora's Mask to Breath of the Wild. You know, a smaller game with a different tone released within a short time frame after Breath of the Wild. Six years later, Tears of the Kingdom is on the market, and while people loved it, I see the community voicing the unanswered demand. I hope the next one is smaller. With games like Assassin's Creed Mirage and Star Wars Outlaws boasting about being shorter experiences, I think we might have crossed the limit of bigger is better mentality in the gaming industry. Thoughts? I don't know if yes. I think we're there yet, but we're, it's happening. It's happening. I don't think we've crossed the uh, Rubicon on that yet, though. It's hard to be sure, of course, but if I were to, I feel like looking back, picking a moment where we might have crossed it, it seems like Ubisoft is like the uh, main symptom of this issue slash cause <laughs> of it, this bloat and them paring their games down. I feel like that is a sign. To me. It's like I, the pendulum swung too far with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, the fact that 
one of Mirage's selling points, right? One of their marketing bullets is like smaller experience to me, like says that we have crossed a line. Like that's now a way to sell a game to somebody. It's like, yeah, this one's actually a little smaller, you know? I guess that's true. But like how much smaller do we actually functionally think it is? I guess that's my question. It's like, you, I mean, because saying, say, bragging that your game is bigger or smaller has always just sort of been a, a, a branding point, like it's a marketing point that doesn't always represent the actual gameplay. So I guess, yeah, I guess it is fair that like the, the idea that people want smaller games and that that is a viable marketing strategy is good. But like how much smaller is it going to be? Because I'm over here being like, Venba was the perfect length for a game, and I don't think Assassin's Creed is going to be quite like that. No. Well, considering <laughs> no, a just... Viking or, or Valhalla like genuinely felt infinite. Like I don't. Do you guys know anyone that beat Valhalla? I don't no, think I know anybody personally. Uh, <laughs> Maybe there was a reviewer or something. Yeah. But I mean, Mirage, at least from what we know so far, seems like a much like like a manageable assassin. It's not an RPG, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. So that that yeah, but you're right, Jenna. Though it's like it's a matter. We'll see, right? Maybe it comes out and we're like, hold on, this is like <laughs> a thousand is- hours. <laughs> but I think <laughs> even if that is a like 100 hour game, I still think just the fact that like a like large companies are starting to catch on that it is a marketing point to say it's not huge. <laughs> Your game is fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, but because. I, basically that's basically all any game has used as a marketing point up until this point is i mean not the only point obviously but like if you are talking about size of the game outside of indie studios if someone's going to comment on the size of the game as a marketing point they're going to talk about how big it is um or how you know how many hours of gameplay there are in it in a like it's a lot and that's a good thing way and so the, the fact that we are at least starting to see some acknowledgement from large studios that, like, this one won't be as big is, um, I don't like, that is new. That's a new thing that could be a turning point. I don't know that it's going to shrink Assassin's Creed down to, like, a 20-hour experience, to your point, but, like, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> uh, JKK in the Backstage Pass chat says Mirage is 20 to 24 hours long, supposedly. That's what they're touting. Oh, they said that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, but, like, but this... Wow. But the, this makes me think about, though, like what studios have done to get these games that big. And in the case of Assassin's Creed, it was adding all that RPG stuff. And it might equally be a case of like, while certain people have responded to that for sure, more people not responding to that. Like, I wonder what impact that has in the decision, because an Assassin's Creed game without that, that's still 200 hours long. It's really hard to picture what they would even fill that with. Yeah. Without all those different layers of progression, I think it'll. But be- I think it's going to depend a lot on what the reaction to this game is, because I think there's also there's a risk of like uh, people wanting to put down sixty dollars for a twenty hour game when they could put it down for Starfield, which is going to be like a living game. So it's like it. it I'm curious to see if people are going to like that, and if this is going to grow into like an actual turning point, or if people are going to be like, not worth it, not infinite. Yeah. I don't spend the rest of my life in this game. What's the point? <laughs> yeah, you definitely do see that weird math that people do all the time, where they're like, sixty dollars for an eight-hour experience. That means that you know per hour I am spending. And I'm like, do you do this calculation with like movies or like meals? Because like those are way worse per hour worth of value you know like video games are probably one of the 
best dollar to hour even on a short game that you can possibly get. There's um there's an episode of the Game Maker's Notebook, the uh, the AI AS podcast from a couple of years ago with uh, Joseph Ferres and um, Ted Price from Insomniac, and they had this conversation that I really loved, where Ferres, you know, who is a passionate, outspoken person who likes to get heated about things, the you know it takes two and brothers, creator and stuff like that, was like almost borderline arguing with uh, Ted Price about like the uh, how absurd it is that people don't finish video games like how important <laughs> it was in him to him in designing games like it takes two that when they look at the trophy statistics they see that a lot of people have gotten the ending trophy and they even had a little bit of a discussion of like how many people finish Spider-Man and how many people finish it takes two and stuff like that and I got I'm kind of on like I'm sort of on Ferris's side that it's like it's kind of absurd that that's like a, a metric that isn't really strongly considered right it's like weird that like game yeah. makers are like yeah people make it to the end or they don't whatever it's like but you're making all this content <laughs> like don't you want to make it in such a way that people can experience so it's an interesting conversation for sure i think it's yeah i mean i think it's contradictory because like i think for most art forms like if somebody was like yeah i love godfather i never finish watching it i i skipped the last half hour of the godfather right. but yeah it's my favorite movie or like <laughs> right. e like even trying to have a conversation with somebody who is like yeah i i watched the godfather but i never finished watching it but here are my strong opinions about it it's like no thank you <laughs> i don't right. but like it's different it is different for video games where i think some people who make games have to understand that they are not making a game that is meant to be beaten or will be beaten. And I mean, I think that there's a, a huge dichotomy between games that are like, yeah, this is going to be a long experience. This is going to be the rest of my life. This is functionally endless versus games that are meant to be a fully engaged with story. But I don't think big studios necessarily always appreciate that there's a difference. Like, if you want people to f watch all of your Spider-Man game, then maybe you can't make 80 hours of additional content that's going to lure them away from that main arc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is another unique thing of, of games versus movies, too, of, like they have to design the new Assassin's Creed as somebody's first one, it'd be fine entrance, yeah. and with the reality of most people have played a third or two-thirds of the way through a few of them. Yeah. Like, any kind of sequeled story like that, I don't know, it's hard. It's a whole different challenge to make that interesting and yet uh, fit with the others. Yeah. And I, th yeah. I, I think it's one like of the reasons, just quickly, Ferris is is so passionate about that also, is he's he's a filmmaker. Like, that was his first... Yeah. Like, he, he was a filmmaker before he was a game designer. Um, but, uh, yeah. Because that's the thing is like uh, uh, I'm mean, like so let's think of Tears of the Kingdom right that's like Nintendo's seventy dollar game and it just broke records for them you know what I mean like like they cannot be they're not sweating that they should start making smaller games but like to me it's like um I'm sure they're fine that most people who popped that game in have not beaten it yet and to me it's almost like uh you know like you don't beat a theme park you know what I mean you just go in there and have fun <laughs> you know what I mean like you don't have to ride every ride in the theme park to have a good time there. And so, like, for sure, like, it's like, is your is your market the people who are going to argue about your game for game of the year at the end of the year? Or is it just like the people who are just like buying it and having a good time, you know? And so, like, I, in a certain way, like, you know, as somebody who the does care approach, about game narrative, right? like, I love I love, you know, telling a story. I think you should finish a story. Right. But like video games primarily are about this interaction of like going into a world and being there and like, you know, mm -hmm. having fun. 
And so like I I think I think we're not going to see smaller a lot of smaller games. I don't think it's a, it's a it's a neat little reoccurrence here of like two games saying we're small, we're small. We're 20 hours, don't worry about it. But honestly, like with the games that have been huge with Elden Ring with Baldur's Gate 3, like huge games are going to keep happening bigger and bigger. Very yeah. true. I, I, the sweet spot for me personally is like 40 hours to 100% an open world and then like a meaningful new game plus. Mm. Mm. That's the way I, I like, like handling, like if I want to spend more time with it. I'm really in the five hour range. Five hours, perfect <laughs> amount of story, perfect amount of gameplay. If I'm giving more time than that, then it's got to be for a good reason, aka I can romance everyone. Hello, Baldur's Gate 3. Thank you. I also feel like the, the theme park comparison, like these are... Video games just encompass such a wide variety of things that, you know, I would say some some games and, you know, Tears of the Kingdom, I think, is a good analog for that. It's totally a theme park. It really doesn't matter that much, um, or at least I feel, doesn't matter that much if you beat it. Because, yes, they're telling a story, but, like, that's probably not the main takeaway they want you to take from that game. Um, but there are others, like... Venba, for your example, Jenna, is like the, the whole thing is the story, right? Yeah, so like true. if you didn't finish that, you did not really experience what they wanted you to experience out of that game. So I don't know. I, I think it runs the gamut. Like I think there's just all kinds of, um, which is why it's so hard to say like which one is uh, better because it so largely depends on what people are trying to do with it. Uh, let's do a quick little fun question. I like the phrasing here. This is from Forrest Lassman. Any game that lets you jump coming out of a roll for a boost of speed is automatically better for me. What are some of your favorite little movement techniques in games? Oh, I love a slide. I love when you can yep. run mm. into a slide and then slide up onto your feet again and keep running. That Nothing Ooh. feels as good as that. Oh. Or like the Landing. jump right after a slide, like if you're kind of sliding down yeah, like a hill. Of... I think of like some of the newer Monster Hunters, you can slide down and then at the very end do like a real big jump off the slide. So good. Good stuff. Yeah, specifically when the slide uh, is affected by the gravity of going down a hill. Yeah. And, and you, you can steer it up. as you're going. Oh, so yeah, good. that's the best. <laughs> yeah. I also loved in Tears of the Kingdom when you rode up um a waterfall's breath of the wild too when you ride up waterfalls and you get to the top and it goes pew and it just like propels you straight up in the air that is so unnecessary and so good you know what's crazy about that is you actually like refill your stamina meter while you're swimming up a waterfall yeah it's wild magic <laughs> it's wild you know what it's wild yeah. um my off. favorite thing is uh when uh mario does like the uh you're running in one running in one direction, then you switch really quick and press jump at the same time, and he does like a sideways like ah. jump, a little sideways flip. That's my kind of thing. I really like that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Also, I like in Resident also, Evil 6 when you can do side flips and back flips hmm. and front flips and land on your back and crawl around. <laughs> a lot of the fans like the series for that, right? Yeah. A high watermark. When you, I, when you said that, I was like, I you could do that? And I was thinking of like seven and eight like seven in village like i was like i don't think you what game were you playing i was like oh he's dead oh he's talking about six okay there we go. something's wrong with my wife <laughs> giant backflip <laughs> that's how i did it in vr baby <laughs> you got a knife coming at you, you just do a backflip <laughs> that's cool 
<laughs> just for a simple one, I really like just a quick, like this quick sidestep evade, but the ones mm. that are like really fast mm. and you can kind of like, you know, it, you, you're not even really, you're not doing like a step. You're kind of like zooming to the side real quick and you mm. can kind of do that back and forth. What um, game are you really thinking of in particular? Um, there, I mean, what was the name of that? Uh, Scarlet Nexus, I think, has a really Whoa. good one of those, which is a, I don't know, it, it's in a lot of, like, I feel like anime action games. Mm, sure. And um, that's the one that came to mind for me, but. I had, I remember Scarlet Nexus came out and I played the first, like, two hours. I was like, that is pretty cool. And I was like, what if I, like, went all in on Scarlet Nexus and I, like, watched the first episode of the anime and then I was like, I don't think I need to go all in on Scarlet Nexus. <laughs> I still haven't played it all the way through, but I did enjoy it. Like, there was yeah, never a point where bad. I was like, this is a slog and I hate this. I just never I just, finished it. I just don't know what clicked in my brain where I was like, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to become a Scarlet <laughs> Nexus guy. It's like, what was it? What? I don't know what grabbed me there in the beginning, but What's, it did not stick. Do you know what switched that off in your mind? Was it something in the anime you, where you were like, nope? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I... Truly, it was just like, oh, this feels kind of generic. And I think I was, I think maybe something else came out and I moved on with my life. But it was weird that I had that one evening where I was like, let's watch the anime. Let's play the game. Let's, you know, let's engage with this property. A real, a real sliding doors moment for Kyle. Right. Two, two roads <laughs> diverging here. You gave it a shot. That's very open-minded of you, though. Uh, let's play a game. This comes from Connor Withy. Hey, Min Max, have a little mini game for you. Just finished up my Pikmin 4 playthrough. In case you don't know, treasure hunting is a big part of the game. The fun twist about that is each of these treasures is something that exists on Earth. Something that would be tiny for us is dwarfing these characters. I'm going to include 10 examples of the game giving everyday objects weird names. See if you can guess the object based on the description. 1 through 5 will be food, 6 through 10 will be grab bag. Mild spoilers if somebody doesn't want to be spoiled on some unique treasures, I guess. Okay. So basically, it's, you know, these weird little aliens come to this planet. How would I describe this thing? Number 1, puzzle snack. Puzzle mm, snack. Oh. Pretzel? Yes! Yeah, oh, absolutely, pretzel. Okay. Okay. I, I definitely read every single one of these in Pikmin 4 because I liked them, but we'll see if that helps uh, <laughs> <tells> you <laughs> me at all. Talking about, like, narrative depth, like, each of them has three descriptions, too. Like, there's, like, it's so crazy. Um, this one's my, my, one of my favorites in the entire game. Mock Bottom. <laughs> Shoe Soul? These are food. No, it's a food. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're hungry enough. Peach? Yeah, that's a mock bottom. Oh. Peach. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good yeah. call, Kelsey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Slapstick Crescent. Is that uh Banana? Oh. Banana. Oh, yeah. Wow, so they know you slip on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's but they don't know what it's called. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Interesting. The Four Grill Brothers. <laughs> a kebab? Yes! Oh my god, oh, yeah, that's nice. a kebab. A good These are good nice. descriptions, honestly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, shout out to Treehouse, man. <laughs> Snack bean. Snack bean? 
Snack bean. B-E-A-N. Snack bean. Peanuts? Is a like bean a not already peanut. a snack? Peanut. Yeah. yeah. Oh, peanut. Beans already. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, peanut was the answer. Yeah. Snack bean. Snack bean. Okay. Now we're into the grab bags. Olfactory sculpture. Olfactory it's like a, sculpture. a nose, right? Ooh, no. Like it's a statue. Can you just imagine some Pikmin picking up a nose? What are you imagining right now? <laughs> I feel like I picked up like a statue of a nose or something. Oh, okay. I, sure. I got yeah. every treasure in that game. I was into that game. Heck yeah. <sighs> okay. So olfactory sculpture. Um is it like um, a sculpture of a warm pie where they've actually drawn, like, sculpted the wavy lines coming off of it so you know it's hot and smells good? Mm. What does the word olfactory mean? Smell. It's like smelling. No. Yeah. Sorry? Is it a booger? No, no. <laughs> these are ex- specifically. These are specifically this, not food, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This oh, okay, good. so it wouldn't be booger. Never mind. No, no, it'd be something. Else. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Pass. Um, yeah, I don't know. What kind of things in our world smell good? Pies, Kyle. Okay, let's I just... say this. Let's say. Let's say this. Let's say this. Let's say you have a room that doesn't smell good. How would you make it smell good? It was like an air freshener. A mm. candle. It's a candle, yeah. Oh, it's candle. candle. Okay, yeah, okay, candle. okay. It's good. And then I learned the word olfactory. Yeah. Um, You're learning so much on this podcast. I'm happy mm-hmm. for you. <laughs> it has been very educational, yeah. Uh, personal injury plank. A rake? Skateboard. Oh, yes. Skateboard. You remember that one, don't you? That one I remember, yeah. That's, That's a really a funny one. one. Yeah, I like that. Personal injury uh, plank. Anti-skateboarding. <laughs> False lollipop. False lollipop. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ben Hansen probably has a few of these around his house right now. Pacifier? A child. <laughs> like, a, like a Q-tip or something? <laughs> Pick up a live Pacif- infant. You know what I mean? Like a, a pacifier. Pikmin a live infant. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, Pikmin 5. Imagine just rescuing a bunch of babies. Uh, is it a thermometer? Pacifier was the answer. Pacifier. Oh, okay. Well, okay. okay. Right, it probably does have a bunch of those, yeah. Um, buddy display. Mirror? Oh, that's a good answer. (laughs) A buddy display. Is it like a Mm -hmm. picture frame, a photo in a picture frame? Yeah, it is. But what is inside of that picture frame? A a puppy. Yeah, a picture of dogs. Okay, cute. The buddy display. And then finally, number 10. Winged Freedom Sculpture. Wave bird controller? Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that another one you remember? I knew you were going to get it. one of the Nintendo things are going to be in there because you pick up yeah, a bunch was, of, yeah. I was waiting for like the Game Boy Advance to be in there or something. Well, my favorite yeah. one, again, minor okay. spoilers for Pikmin 4, is you pick up a, a GameCube disc of, of um, Wave Race. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Blue Wave on GameCube? Is it what's mm-hmm. the GameCube Wave Blue Race? Blue Storm. Game? Blue Storm. Storm. Yeah, you pick up yeah, a nice. Blue Storm GameCube disc. <laughs> and pick him it's like why that one okay cool <laughs> it's weird it's like uh it's like how the simpsons like homer's backstory has to keep aging up you know what i mean so like oh, yeah. now pikmin like gamecubes are old in the pikmin world <laughs> yeah, right. it's just wild um that's a fun game we got a this is a fun weird question from mike lynch is there a place of business in a video game that you wish existed in real life Aww. Also, thank you to Jenna and Kyle. Happy trails, y'all. Ah. 
thank you. It trails back at you. Uh, for so much I'm, any of the places in Animal Crossing, I would like to go. Oh, yeah, yeah that would be cool. I, mm-hmm. A place where I could just sell dirt and sticks. Would be kind of, <laughs> like, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's almost the case in Animal Crossing. You know, that's you what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sell like, you, can, bugs you don't get stuff. much for it. but Yeah, a place where I could I, go I, with my rock and stick that I've tied together to make an axe and sell and get a better axe. That would be nice. I was thinking about this a lot when Animal Crossing came out. Of it's like you go to this place. You're, it's like the game is almost structured like you go on a vacation, but and like you can pick up sticks and sell them to like make your. I was like, what if someone tried to emulate like that as like a camp, as like a vacation that you could go on, where it's like you go to this place and to, to like you get there and you leave your bag somewhere and then like your first task is going and picking up like twenty sticks and then you turn it in and it's like all right, well you can stay at this. Uh, cabin over here and then the rest of the week is just like you're turning like <laughs> sticks and bugs that you caught to like get food and stuff like that. like would that yeah. be fun like, I don't I think it's like a reality fun. show or something right, like, yeah. you know you you get you and like five other contestants are there and you got to start you know you come up with your strategy so some people are like I'm gonna get all the good seashells so that I can get some currency mm. for better or whatever and some people are like I'm gonna go get the fruit off the trees like that's my thing I'm gonna go grab all the fruit yeah but I don't want it to be a struggle. Museum. Like you should get like you can turn in five sticks and get like a full breakfast. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be <laughs> yeah. hard. I just want some kind of economy that where it's like you just don't think about money and you get rewards for doing little tasks. Your like, dream camp is a functional economy. But not yes. even maybe not even that. I guess I don't no, know. I, I uh, think like this is what draws people to communes. Like I think legitimately, oh, like you know, right. yeah. you could just go do that in Vermont if you wanted to. You just started a cult, Kyle. Congrats. That's a good point. <laughs> How's the Wi-Fi in these places, though? That's my only <laughs> I imagine how many like sticks you could need for a cell phone, dude. <laughs> no, you got to work your way up. No, this is like yeah. like when you read people who are like, yeah, I traded a paper clip for um this right, boat yeah. this house right house. it's like that it's like that kind of, but it's explicitly laid out how many sticks you need to do to get to the next level up yeah someone do this it's a it's like a, a vacation it's a vacation idea that someone has to set up how, how do you it, they could call it yeah. animal crossing for animals <laughs> <laughs> how do you deal with like because there's a point in those sorts of survival games where you escalate to getting an axe and starting to chop down trees how do you deal with that <laughs> escalation in this camp uh i don't know it's like an escape room where it's like okay. you know you press a button and that counts you have to press your <laughs> axe that you got from trading five sticks and at the store against a button on a tree okay and then you have to move your joystick because you just you just yeah reg- reg- regressed to being a video game hold on like do this without going anywhere and it was just like all virtual on like a green and funny. i think i'm on to something here <laughs> Uh, you know what a place I really love is the uh, the mall in Mega Man Legends. If I could, mm. if I could go, if I could go stroll through that little pl- place, I would I would do that. I would go buy some CDs there. Yeah. Mm. It's just a mall? Is or that the CDs. allure? Yeah, I think it's called like Apple Mall or maybe Apple Street Mall or something like that. Yeah. Or the mall in Dead Rising. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of good stores there. There's all like you could buy a lot of like weird shirts i don't know <laughs> i mean to be fair is that's just a mall 
Yeah. Right. I mean, sure. Here in but Minnesota, cool you could go to there. the Mall of America and be like, "Oh, it's like Dead Rising." <laughs> yeah, but what if there were psychopaths that ran the different stores that you had that to buy? Cool. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that we can turn this into some kind of vacation business. The Mall of America gets shut down for a week, and you just you role just play loot. Dead Rising. <laughs> a, 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 a summer camp where it's just about looting. Right. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of like dead malls in America now. This is not a terrible way to, you know, have a small amount of monetization on your dead mall is to do a, a big Dead Rising role play experience. Which, which to be cl- fair, is a Dawn of the Dead role play to begin with. Yeah. So they could they could license it on the movie, which is, gosh, what's more popular in 2023, dead Dawn Rising. of the Dead. The original Don't George Romero film or Dead Rising on Xbox 360. Both yeah. of them are red hot. <laughs> uh, here's a tricky, serious question. This is from Mikey Mizek Novak. Hey, Minnie. Hey, Max. Short time listener, first time asker. I am working on a proposal for my local library to set up a game library. I want to eventually have computers and systems there as well, but to start, I'm looking for just games to borrow. What are your suggestions for platforms I should try to support? Should it be only current? Or should I dip back into previous consoles? What popular games would you stock if price rarity were no object? What gems would you include? Something you would still lend out. Thanks, Mikey Mysek Novak. Hmm. I have some oh. opinions on this. I think that um, <laughs> if you're starting, like, I see the vision and I see where you're going with the vision. And if you are starting from absolute scratch, you basically have no choice but to stock only current stuff right now. Um, Because to do otherwise is to assume that anyone using your local library like has a GameCube, which they don't. So (laughs) like, you know, kind of defeats the um, you in order to like convince this library, like, hey, this is a thing, this is a public service that people are going to use and that people want, um, you kind of have to start with like the hits and the basics. So like, you gotta figure out what people have, which honestly is probably more like PS4 games than it is PS5 games, but it's probably a lot of Switch and um, and like PS4 to start with and just popular stuff like, you know, Zelda, Pokemon, like, you need to sort of prove that people will actually use this, um, I think, before you can get into, like, gems and interesting things. Because the, the the struggle of a, um, like, well-curated library is convincing anybody to engage with the things they haven't heard of or, um, like, or, or care about it, you know? So, like, if you start with GameCube games, you might... I mean, it depends on where you are. If you're, like, in a college town, you might get a bunch of people like excited that their library has a GameCube and and games and stuff. But I think for the most part, like most of your people are just going to be like, oh yeah, I want to play more like Switch games. That's what I have. Yeah, there's also the danger with physical media if you're going back to like GameCube where it's like you you run into this dichotomy of either games that nobody really wants to play that you will be able to get a hold of and stock in a library or games that everyone wants to play that are actually really expensive and that you, you would it might be somewhat precarious to stock because then it's like is somebody going to walk off with I can't even fake a, a GameCube game <laughs> would be would be one that somebody would be like I'm not I'm going to check this out and never return it because it's actually like a $400 game to buy like Chibi Robo 
Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Fire so, emblem. <laughs> yeah. So there's like, there's like, yeah, there's that danger there. But yeah, like getting people to engage with the things that you have in your library are always going to be the most difficult part. Uh, I worked in a library. I was a librarian for a few years, and that was always the issue. Oh, is like, yeah, is like, and we always we always had games, and they didn't often get checked out because I don't think people knew that you could go to your local library and get a Switch, uh, a Switch game for your modern card. Like getting getting the word out is going to be so much harder than stocking. Uh, but yeah, having having the most recent games that people are most likely to want to play, the newest Pokemon the newest Bayonetta, et cetera, is going to be absolutely your best bet. And also, like, if you have, like, a space that you want to set up as, like, a cool gaming hangout, I think that kind of changes the math a little bit. I don't know if Kelsey... Did, yours, you did your library have such a thing? No, no, absolutely oh, not. Oh, okay. We were very, it was a very bougie library. Um, so the fact that we had video games at all was surprising at the, at the, during the, given the time that I was uh, working there. But I think now there's more, I think it's a good thing to have to pe- to draw people into the library. So I think it's a good work that you're doing. But yeah, stick with the, like the modern stuff, the stuff everyone's going to want to play. I am. Um, so we all get, when we receive games for review or et cetera, we get codes now ex- pretty much exclusively. But there was like maybe seven years ago, I was still getting like physical games. And I like we culled the collection and pretty much any game that I didn't want to hang on to that I'd gotten for free from work, I donated to my local library. And it was like a lot of good stuff. It was like like Pokemon Sun and Moon, you know, like things like that. And like and I I went back like a week later, like hopeful that their video game section would have been really buoyed by my efforts. But uh, they ended up just like selling them uh, at the library, Uh, which was like fine. I, I still want the library to get money for that that's okay but i really was more hopeful that they would have been like they would have had a nice archive of like 3ds games and stuff yeah that is definitely uh, something you have to actually like talk to the library about yeah um and i i don't know i'm kind of mad on your behalf that they didn't like warn you was going to be the case because like that happens i mean that's happened at the video game history foundation too where people will be like here's some 360 games and we will warn them like we don't need these but we do need money so if you're okay with like um, i'm not like I said, I'm not heartbroken about it. It, it ultimately yeah. people bought those games, and maybe some kids got like good Pokemon games for not too much money um, that I took good care of, and you know just stayed on a shelf d- during the duration of my t- time owning them. But I, I, yeah, I, I was a little disappointed that I couldn't go to my local library and be like, ah, there's all the DS games I don't. <laughs> I think some libraries would have totally taken you up on that. I think it yeah. probably just depends on, I don't know what the what the vision of the library is weird question is like um is there like a you know library books can cover all sorts of topics but i feel like video games like maybe there's some video games that would be inappropriate to put in there do you know it was there mm-hmm. i mean jenna where when like you were stocking video games in your library was there like a hey no rated m for matures none of that I don't think anybody who was doing buying at the library I worked at um, could parse any of that when it came to video games. So not really. And I don't I don't recall. I don't believe we had a 
distinction between like adult video games and we had so few video games that it didn't make sense to like split the collection so it was all just like here's all of the video games but i i do think they were all in like the young adult section because as we all know games are only for children um (laughs) but i don't think there was any i don't think there was any division i don't think there was anything because i mean that that's not really a thing that happens with books like nobody is going to stop a child from checking out a book that might be m-rated because it's like First of all, it just never happens. <laughs> like it's just like that. I they, it was never a thing where children would try to like push the bar on what they were allowed to check out. Um, and so I can't imagine like a child coming up and being like, "Here's I don't know, Red Dead, probably rated M." Yeah, uh, I wouldn't stop them. I'd just be like, "Have fun, kiddo." <laughs> I'd tossle their hair. I'd give them a lollipop <laughs> and I'd send them on their way. As a kid slash teen, it really, I was like, wow, I can really get away with something here. Just reading the most vile stuff in the middle of class and no one questions it. It's like, oh, thank God he's reading reading. and not on his PSP. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. People were just happy that you were reading. So you could read the nastiest stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do do one more quick little sweetie Uh, from TBeaks15. Hey, hey, Min Maxers! If the Pokemon Company came to you to help design a new Pokemon for the upcoming DLC, what would the theme and general design of that Pokemon be? Big question. And think about—they're—they're they're asking you in particular because they know they want your personal perspective on life. They are—they're like, I—we need this person in particular. What are you going to bring to the Pokemon franchise with your individual Ooh. Pokemon? I mean, there would be a special joy in tackling an animal that they haven't done a pokemon of yet and just doing kind mm-hmm. of a straightforward like dolphin pokemon or whatever there is a straightforward dolphin okay. <laughs> but certainly there are animals they have not done straightforward pokemon i don't take for that yet. for granted i think there's gotta be there's so many animals <laughs> yeah but yeah, i'm like yeah, the, yeah. there's that's what i'm saying like there's the, i think i would either do that i'd be like i want to be credited with the the guy that gave him the chipmunk Pokemon or whatever, you know, there's probably a chipmunk. But like, there's also, I kind of want to do the clef key though too, or the gar the garbage Pokemon, where it's just like the most absurd and practical. <laughs> like, clef yeah. key is still one of my favorites. Like, I sure. I remember finding I got to find clef key because I reviewed the game before it was like public knowledge, and I was just like, oh my god, I caught a ring of keys and it's a Pokemon. <laughs> like I want, yeah. I, I kind of want to make that like maybe a drum set. It's just a drum Whoa. set. Like, that's cool. That's a really good. I would love to catch like your that. drum set. Yeah. I like a drum set. That one's I'm thinking like, I love ghost Pokemon. So I would want to make a ghost Pokemon. And I think, uh, I think you make a great point, Kyle, where adapting an animal is a really good one. So I think it'd be cool to make like a possum ghost Pokemon since they are known <laughs> oh, for like go. playing dead. I think that would be cool. Right. Where like the cool. first evolution is just a possum and the second evolution is a ghost Pokemon possum. And it's kind of like, uh-oh, oh, uh-oh, it's kind of sad. I love that. <laughs> they just wrote that down. Like that a <laughs> ghost Pokemon, that possum that plays dead, like that. that you just will that into existence. I, that, yes. That's got to happen. Right? Yeah. Be pretty cute. I think I think Pokemon actually does a pretty good job of like they've covered most of the animal bases at this point. I think what they could do more of is combining two animals in a freaky way. Ooh. Like um, I'm just looking at your shark in the background, Jenna. So this is not creative. But like what if there's a, a bird shark, you know, like there should just we should just <laughs> be shoving two animals together because that's kind of i mean 
that's when when you have a Pokemon that is just like you know a seal named Seal or the dolphin Pokemon that's just kind of a dolphin. Like that's when I'm like, yeah, that's. I mean, it's cute. I don't hate it. It's just one of those things where I'm like, I wish I was getting more out of this. And I, I do think it takes both kinds. Like you got to have some normal ones. But um, yeah, we should sure. we should be uh, shoving more animals together. I think. I agree. I would like to do an evolved form of missing now. Ooh. Called, called found yes. <laughs> what does it look like? <laughs> well, missing no was kind of like mosaic, blurred, random pixels, corrupted right? Data. Yeah, corrupted data. Yeah. So found yes would kind of be like, here's what missing no actually looked like, and it would just be like a handsome guy in a business casual outfit. Okay. I don't know why that's exactly what I pictured too, like a human right? being, <laughs> just a, a beautifully rendered human. I mean, and he would just say yes. found yes. Is yeah. he just the only thing is he wouldn't talk. That is because he says his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Besides Found that, he's totally just a guy. Yes. What's the canon of yes. Missing No? Is it like, it's not... It's just a glitch. There's no canon. Okay. Yeah, right, okay. he's not non, yeah, yeah. non It stands for Missing Pokemon. Number. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. No, I know I know that element, I, and I Googled it to see its picture, and I was like, oh, I know what you guys are talking about. But I, yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if it had been, like, sort of accepted at some point. Like, Pokemon Company was like, let's oh, let this no, one in. This it. one's weird. No. They yeah. hate it. They have never It would be really it, cool know, if like, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they should have put Mew under the truck in like the remakes of you know mm-hmm. in Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu or something. Like yeah. I, I wish they were doing more acknowledging of that kind of stuff. It would be so much fun. Yeah. Um, I was thinking like mine would be very, very like gross. My goal would be to, like make the <laughs> grossest Pokemon. And like here's the gimmick, right? It'll die in three turns if you just leave it alone. But oh, no. <laughs> most people just attack it, right? Every time you attack it, it resets its turn. You know what I mean? They just they can't help themselves. They have to. It's just so gross and vile that they have to go like hit it. It's like I'm gonna live three more turns because you hit me. If you just leave me alone, I'll die in three turns. But nobody can do it. Is it really sick? Is it like sickly? Is that why it's gonna die in three turns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like bubbling and hairy. Is it just like an emaciated <laughs> Pikachu? It's just like really skinny. Oh, no. Its tail is droopy. <laughs> And, yeah. There's a uh, ROM hack of uh, Pokemon. Pita? I think of of Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire called. Oh God, what is it called? Pokemon Snakewood. Um, and it's like a zombie apocalypse Pokemon game. And it's very clearly like written in the mid 2000s, and it's not. It doesn't hold up very well, like it from a you know from a writing perspective. But like the game is about zombie Pokemon, and so you will run into like Boilbasaur and like all of these oh, no. just z- zombified and that part is kind of fun. Um, and at some point in the game, spoilers for a I don't know very old ROM hack, but you will run into a trainer <laughs> that has actually. Playing. They just put it on Switch, <laughs> <laughs> um, You'll run into a trainer that is actually like cut up and sewn a bunch of different Pokemon together, and it literally just says a monster. Like, ah, it's, I mean, it's and it's all cool. in like Pokemon Ruby graphics, so it's not like graphic in any way, but it's. It's, I don't know. I do like the idea let's, let's, of, of a Mimikyu or a Ditto-esque monster that is just a lot of Pokemon sewn together, and so it's like, I don't know what I am. It <laughs> would be pretty good. Uh, is there something do- in like a, a, a monster made out of pockets somehow? It's just all like Ooh. kangaroo pockets? <laughs> I don't know. You, so you're pocket. suggesting I a- a- How do you mix anything out of pockets? 
look, this is not for this is not for me to solve. I'm just an idea person. So like, <laughs> a, a I just want a pocket be... monster in Pokemon is what I'm getting. At. Oh my god, it was a pun. <laughs> it was a pun all along. Don't overthink it. <laughs> oh no. That it was so a pun sad. all along. Okay, we, we need to determine the best question of the week. Uh, what are we uh what are we feeling what are we vibing with this week i like the library one and the one about game length i like the one about game length i think y'all had interesting insight into that i hadn't thought much about yeah game length i like that one too let's do it cool luca alberti thanks for your question congratulations on bringing the question of the week to the human max show um (laughs) it is now time of course for Get all out of this! <laughs> this is the segment where everyone in this panel brings t- to the table an interesting thing that they have seen and observed this week and want to share. Who's got a load? <laughs> I can go. I got a quick one. Sure. Uh, hey, get a load of this. I'm looking at what platforms that came out. There was this game that came out... 2010 Mario Sports Mix. Uh, it was a uh, DS. On, no, it was Wii. It looks like and Wii oh. U. Apparently, it says according to Wikipedia, which I didn't realize that there was a Wii U version. Um, but it was like um, you know, there's Mario Soccer, Mario Basketball, all these things. This was like a collection of a few different sports games: uh, volleyball, basketball. Looks like hockey is in there too. Um, which, uh, you know, a forgettable game, whatever. I, I don't know if it was particularly popular, uh, but it was made by Square Enix. And as a result, it actually has Final Fantasy bosses in it. Uh, so in yeah. this Mario Sports Mix game, you can fight against uh, Behemoth from Final Fantasy and characters <laughs> like that. Like you play dodgeball with Behemoth from Final Fantasy uh, as like the final boss of the game, which was uh, really caught me by surprise. I didn't realize there were Final Fantasy cameos in this Mario sports game that I completely forgot about. <laughs> so. There were also amiibo cards for this game, which I think oh, nobody okay. like, I don't even know. They, they're probably like incredibly rare and I have no idea if they're worth anything right now because who is using Mario sports mix amiibo cards, but but uh, I just thought that was cool that there were Final Fantasy boss cameos in this Mario sports game. On the I think Wii. you can play as something you can like play as the White Mage too. I think there's a Chocobo in there. Yeah, I think Square Enix like developed it, right? Yeah, that's yeah. They Square Enix developed it, which is why they snuck all that stuff in there. What uh, what drew you to that game this week? I just saw a video, uh, which I you know, which will be my link, is that oh, uh, okay. of someone playing the boss fight against Behemoth, and I was like. Why was Behemoth from Final Fantasy in a Mario sports game? It just like totally so it was a very good attention. thumbnail, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Also, I just realized I'm wrong. That's the the uh, Mario Sports Superstars, which I think is the Wii U 3DS oh, one that okay. has the amiibo cards. Which I I didn't realize they had separate names. I thought it was all the same thing. But yeah, I would have assumed the same thing. This is yeah Mario Sports Mix. All right, I can go. Um, get a load of this. There is a Sanrio character um, that was created in 1978 called Big Challenges, which is um, <laughs> just a very adorable, crudely drawn 
crocodile. Um, and he's never like made an appearance in anything. As far as I know, there's no merch of him. He's just kind of a character they created and stuck in their little like Bible of characters. Um, and he finally made an appearance in the new Hello Kitty Island Adventure game. As what? So he's... What's that? What, how is he integrated? He's He just kind of shows up. I haven't actually played to see him yet. I just saw the mm. screenshot of him in it. And, you know, like he's introduced and uh, what does his description say? Hang on. Big challenges mysteriously disappeared years ago, waiting to be discovered by a wandering adventurer. Not no not much is known about this elusive gator. Oh, cool. So sorry, he's an alligator, not a crocodile. But and his name is um, Big Challenge? Really big cool. challenges. Yeah. Big challenges cool. is really cool. Yeah. yeah and up. so he's like he's finally like yeah. canonized. Like he's been He's just been existing for a long time with no representation, and now he he's somewhere. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Big challenges. Uh, I couldn't find the Hitman comment that was so wise, but I found a different <laughs> one for my get a load of this. Okay. Uh, Wait, it was for is a this post another where... one of your own Reddit post then? No, no, this is someone else's. Okay. But a similar topic on the Hitman subreddit. Would be really nice if IO made these unlockable and other unique outfits, and it's like some of the goofier outfits from the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a comment with 90 downvotes that says, do you dress up like this every day? If you want to look like a clown, this game isn't for you. <laughs> and then the first reply is, there's literally a clown suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. And how many upvotes on that? 84. Are you one of them? I'm proud to admit... I'm one of them. That up there was orange, baby. Uh, my get a load of this is I, I don't have anything because I was away all weekend in Chicago. But my so my get a load of this is if you're in Chicago, you should do an architecture tour. I was told by people in the Midmax Discord that that would be a cool thing to do, and I did one that was on a boat. And it, it yeah. you, you boat around the river, you look at the tall buildings, and somebody's like, "Hey, check out how tall that building is," and it's great. <laughs> Jealous. Uh, that sounds pretty good. It's good. When I did, I did the same thing, Jenna. And what was so cool? I don't know if you had the same thing. Is like the person who did the tour was like a volunteer who is extremely passionate about architecture. Yeah, I think that's same about what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's and that's what I love about it. It's just like, oh, this is just somebody purely doing this because they love Chicago and love all of the work that went into the architecture behind all these super old, very nice looking buildings. Yeah, and I tend to, when I see a tall building, I tend to glaze over my eyes. I'm just like, yeah, it's a big tall building and there's a lot of people in there, probably. Uh, so it was nice <laughs> to have somebody be like, no, look at the materials that this is made out of. This is a Beaux-Arts tower and it has such and such. And it's like, oh, there are details here that I would have absolutely ignored because I didn't care. Uh, so it was nice <laughs> to have somebody be like, no, it's interesting. And I'm telling you, it's interesting. You thought you didn't care. Yeah, and I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's one from uh, the Discord. There's there's a whole channel called Get a Load of This on the Discord, and I was scrolling through it, and I saw the uh, Min Max Human Max's own mm -hmm. Janet Garcia on a podcast called The Indie Council, which I guess is a regular podcast that she does. So uh, yeah, check out the Indie Informers Indie Council podcast where Jill Grote accidentally asks a not-safe-for-work question. That's uh, the tease. Interesting. Uh. Good tease. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my own personal one, uh, How To with John Wilson Season 3 is rolling on uh, HBO and Max. 
Uh, it's a show about a guy who just constantly records everything throughout his life in New York City and then finds parallels and, and connections in, in life. But also, I think the show is about like the power of saying yes to questions and also the power of just asking if you can do something because he'll walk to a person and ask them and learn about their life and then also say like can you show me that thing and then they just say yes because he's holding a camera and he works for hbo <laughs> like it wouldn't work for most of us but still it's, it's about the power of yes something that i find pretty interesting so i do recommend that show i love that show and i did not know there's a third season happening so thank you it's been good so far too it's just killing it um now time for plugs and promotions. What's everybody got going on in the near future in your uh, promotional lives? Uh, I'll go first because I've got so many because this is my last week doing MinMax stuff covering for Ben. Yeah. Uh, and so here are my personal promos, which is that I stream on Twitch at the underscore Jenna, doing a lot of Baldur's Gate right now, obviously. Uh, and that's a very good, chill, fun time. I've got a actual play podcast called Burnt Cookbook Party. You can find us at BCB Party pretty much everywhere. Uh, and that's really funny. It's set in a time loop. It's a comedy. Uh, and sometimes it hits hard because we're all just really funny people. And I do video essays on YouTube at the underscore Jenna. So YouTube dot com slash at the underscore Jenna. Uh, I also have a streaming VOD channel. You can find that somewhere on the internet. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok at the underscore Jenna. Uh, all of my links you can find at link linktree slash the Jenna. You can find a ton of links there. Uh, yeah, so I'll be back. This will be this is the last week for me. So I'll I'll see you all, I guess, on the internet <laughs> somewhere. Uh, and I did also, the last thing I wanted to do was shout out Ben Hansen because I'm doing, I'm not even doing all of the work that Ben Hansen does because Ben Hansen does all of the like digital technical stuff and hosts at the same time. And that's buck wild. It is wild the mm. amount of work that Ben does uh, to keep this thing floating. And so when he comes back, just shout him out and let him know how much you appreciate him. And, and also thank you, MinMax community, for being so welcoming to, to me coming in here and doing tech stuff and being so chill about that transition. You've all been such an absolute delight. And I was happy to be here. That's my plug. Great work, Jenna. It's been a pleasure working with you. Thank you. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, no, I think it's I been great. I speak for all of us when I say you should come back sometimes and be around because we like you. Ah, I would love to. We'll see. It'll be a whole different experience without having to you know, press buttons and, and do <laughs> levers. And and <laughs> yeah, all the trap doors that I have to reset after every show. Uh, I do have a, a official Human Max uh, promotion, actually, to get everybody excited for the Armored Core 6 Deepest Dive. Jacob Geller is assembling a team <laughs> of people who are highly interested in talking about that game every week. You can join the human max patreon to contribute uh ask questions and basically what deepest dive is is i okay i'm gonna get this description right hansen calls it like the most developed conversation about any game on a given week most thorough <laughs> i think is what he says yeah no we changed it to that yesterday though <laughs> oh, the most developed, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, basically the idea is like uh, if you want a thorough conversation, if you want to if you want to hear a podcast that is about only one game, a chunk at a time, like a book club style, <laughs> Deepest Dive is that show for you. And there is one coming for Armored Core 6 in the near future. Check out patreon.com slash minmax2ends. 
And if you're a Minnesota local, Ben and Sarah and I will be hosting a panel at 2DCon on Saturday, August 26th at 2 p.m. It's going to be a video game spelling bee with prizes, <gasps> and I'm really excited That's about it. That's fun. Oh, I'm also going to be at Wait. PAX West. I forgot to mention, I'm doing a panel. I'm doing panels at PAX West, too. Sorry, go on. If I and I'll be to... at PAX West as well. Yeah! Nice. Are you doing panels, too? <laughs> no, but my store has a big booth, so go see the Pink Gorilla booth. It is going to be uh, near the Pokemon booth, I believe, last time I looked at the booth placement. Um, it's it, PAX is weird this year, because we just opened a second uh, convention center that's basically, like two blocks down from the one it's normally in. (laughs) We're in the old convention center and the one that you've been doing packs at for years. Um, And apparently so are some other very big booths. So that's where like the eSports stuff is. That's where Pokemon is. That's where Nintendo Live is as well, if you got tickets to that. Um, So I have no idea what to expect. But uh, yeah, come see me at the Pink Gorilla booth. I will be there all week. Is it you put mostly games in there or do you have like cool Pink Gorilla merch? Yes and yes, and cool. like cool plushies and keychains and stuff. We import all of it from Japan, so we have a lot of really like you know cool Pokemon plush you can't get anywhere else. I mean, I know the internet exists now, but you can't buy it at, at your at your local Target or stores or whatever. So we got cool stuff. Uh, and then Jenna, if I wanted to find out which panels you are hosting, what would be the easiest way for me to find those? I on the PAX West website. The only one that's cool. scheduled right now is I'm doing a panel show with basically just a bunch of giant bomb people. So it's me and four giant bomb people. <laughs> I'm hosting <laughs> a panel show with them on Friday, eight to nine p.m. in one of the theaters. Uh, Saturday, I'm going to be doing a debate club style show, but the details are that I'm not locked down. And then Sunday, I'll be on the Jackbox panel playing new jackbox games that's so cool <sighs> very high nice and then i'm so sorry we uh you're doing a you're doing a spelling bee who's picking the words <laughs> we are you're picking the and words for each the, other for people for in the crowd oh we, uh, we did it a few years a ago apparently okay okay i thought it's just a yeah, thing spelling bee words? <laughs> <laughs> no it's for the crowd i think the idea is that it's like we don't think we could fill a room with just Q&A. We want to do something fun that everybody yeah. there could enjoy. They don't necessarily have to know who we are. And apparently we did it a few years ago and it was really fun, but I wasn't there. Yeah, it's like it's like video game terms, right? Usually. Yeah, like, right. Like, like some are easy, some are less easy, as you can imagine. And then, yeah, Cloud. People go, you get in line and you <laughs> walk up and you try to spell. And, the, you know, if you get it wrong, you're out of the line. If you if you get it right, you go back to the end of the line and make your way up front again and you get prizes. Yeah, it was cool, cool. when we did it a couple of years ago. Cute. What's the prize? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay but all Hanson does is collect th- if things that would be cool for people to get for like things like this at Extra Live. So I'm, sh- I'm sure there's sure. some good stuff. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, as for myself, I do stream three times a week. Twitch.tv slash Kyle Bossman, one S. Uh, YouTube.com slash Kyle Bossman. If you're interested in wa- looking at my Weekly series, delayed input. However, both of those things I'm not going to do for a minute because uh, I'm going to Gamescom this weekend. Ah. And uh, I will be hosting the pre-show for Gamescom opening night what? live on Tuesday. So the advertised start time is like 2 p.m. Eastern time. Like a half hour before that, there will be a little pre-show rolled in, uh, hosted by me. And Kyle, thank you for hosting the Midmax show these last couple of weeks. It's been a great time. It's been very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A rough start, obviously, but I've learned a lot. 
I've learned what apotheosis <laughs> means. I've, I've learned so many things. Olfactory. You know? and, uh, yeah. yeah. Olfactory. How spelling bees work. <laughs> How that was explained. why I did so bad before. But yeah, matcha is not, <laughs> not it is a different thing from mocha. Yeah. Incredible knowledge in my mind now. And yeah, actually, yeah, the same thing, Jenna, where it's like, I really feel like uh, I was intimidated by the min-max community coming in. They seemed like a bunch of towel washers, you know? And uh, <laughs> I've, I've learned, you know what I mean? I've, for three weeks in a row, I've, I've washed my towel, my bath towel. It does feel good. So it's been, it's been nice to like learn to incorporate my own personality into the min-max community. And, you know, I, I have felt very welcomed. Good. good. Yeah. It's been great to have you. Yeah, it's uh, full circle. For Summer Game Fest, you're in the vlog uh, introducing Jeff Keighley at the big press I watched event. that clip, and I really appreciated you laughing at my bit. <laughs> I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like It was like a super dry bit where I tell the audience they can't have drinks or something, and I point at it. Yeah, them. don't spill no. your drinks. Yeah. <laughs> As if it's something people are planning on doing. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for laughing at that bit. I appreciate that. Of course. Cool. Ben Hansen back next week. Woo. Big episode. Uh, until then, everyone, be good. Have fun. Let's go. Bye. <laughs>